Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is SENZ Breakfast with Mitch and Ricardo. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Morning, Mitch. How are you, bro? Yeah, bloody good. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Good. Uh, five past seven on yeah, on, on hump day on Wednesday. Uh, a little bit of a later start for us, but we didn't know that until uh, <laughs> we got in. So the only one that knew it was Kez, who rocked it at about quarter to six, and we all thought he was late. Oh, yeah, we did, and he just rocked in super casually, didn't he? Yeah, he's like not even bothered. Like, no, thanks for telling us bothered. all, bro. What I did have a great conversation about this morning was that um, 24-hour McDonald's don't seem to be open 24 hours. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Which one tried? did you go to? Oh, uh, the Green Lane one. So I've got every excuse this whole week uh, of why it's not open. It's been food food safety, get a coffee on the way in. Yeah. Like it's been checking food coffee. safety. No, no, no. Ooh. But stiff, eh? Oh, there must be a five-minute window. I seem to catch it every every morning. So, yeah, no good. No good at all, mate. No good at all. Um, plenty to talk about today, mate. In fact, it's a bit of a dark day, isn't it? I mean, we had, um, you know, it's Palais' funeral today, and we're mm. going to talk to Matt Reed, uh, who was with us yesterday, actually, about that. He's got a, he's got a Palais story for us, so he's going to come on a little bit later on this hour to, to tell us that. But uh, not only is it Palais' funeral today, but, uh, man, it was a bit of a dark day in sport yesterday. Yeah, it was, mate. It really was. Um, I guess initially uh, the first thing that came out of the blocks was, well, out of the blocks was Ken Block. Mm. Uh, you know, rally driver, um, extreme sports. Motocross uh, guy. Motocross guy, uh, yeah, passed away in a snowmobile, snowmobile accident. So. Yeah, yeah, which is tragic. I mean, that guy was absolutely... I, you know, people say that somebody was nuts. I mean, like, he was nuts in the best way. I mean, he was he was a smart dude. He was a shrewd dude. He was a good businessman. Mm. Um, he had DC Shoes, you, you pointed out, and sold them. Started up another company, had deals with Ford, with Subaru, was just starting a new thing with Audi. So, I mean, he, yeah. he was a heavy hitter when it came to motorsport. Yeah, it really was, um, particularly in that extreme sports um, circuit as well, early days, like you said. Um, you know, there's uh, been heaps of stuff come out. Lewis Hamilton jumped back onto social media. Um, he's been taking a hiatus for a little bit for his mental health, but he yeah. jumped back on after the news just to send out his thoughts on, on, on Ken. So uh, a lot of people getting around it. There was another uh, snowmobile, snowmobile accident as well. Yeah, um, so Jeremy Renner, the actor, he played... Probably the best thing he's known for is um, in the Avengers movies, he played Hawkeye. Mm. Um, he's got a, a ranch in, in Lake Tahoe, and apparently he does a lot of charity work. Like one of the things he does is he buys old tractors 
and then his hobby is doing them up, and then he gives them to people that can't afford tractors, um, you know, for their farms or whatever. Um, but yeah, he had a snow dozer basically. It was it's like a bulldozer thing on the front, and, yeah. and then the tracks. He got he got run over by his, um, and uh, sounds like he he nearly died with blood loss. He had a local. Uh, neighbour who was luckily a doctor and tourniqueted the top of his leg, um, but there's some speculation he might lose his leg. Um, and I saw, I thought, oh, you know the ones you see the racing on the on the James Bond movies. Yeah, yeah. I thought one of those, but no, this looks like a digger, but with traction uh, tractor tyres on it. Yeah, crazy, uh, eh? Yeah, so just that, it's a bit like our um, quad bikes here in New Zealand, eh? You just never think that they're going to be dangerous, but. But away that yeah, away they go. Those things tip, eh? It's mm. the thing they tip. It's it's the problem uh, that people have with those. So yeah, mm. so a couple of um, a couple of sad stories coming out there yesterday, and then uh, uh, we talked a lot yesterday about uh, the Bills taking on the Bengals. We were both looking forward to this game yesterday. Um, you know, a game of. You talked about it. One team on a seven-game winning streak, one team on a six-game winning streak, two teams that could potentially, you know, be battling it out for a place in the Super Bowl. Yeah, yep, absolutely. And then um, they got off to a start, and then Tamar Hamlin um, went and made what looked like a, a pretty standard um, tackle for a safety um, and got up from the tackle and then two seconds later just collapsed, just fully collapsed on the ground, and, and the game was suspended. And, and there's the game actually, he was on the ground. He Apparently he was his heart stopped, stopped beating, uh, wasn't breathing, um, they all had a slight murmur in his heart, like they was just alive, and and they resuscitated him. Um, so he got shipped off to hospital pretty quick. Um, yeah, ten minutes of with the AED and then uh, CPR, trying to get him recovered on the field. The images that were coming out was all the Bills um, team and and players all around, kind of crowding it off from the cameras. Uh, it was pretty disturbing, and and as every minute that went on, um, people were just getting more and more angry with the NFL for not actually just. Suspending the game and just calling it off. You could just see the anger building online and and uh, in the coverage. So, um, from all accounts, he's stable but in a critical condition now. So, just here's hoping that he uh, recovers. But we're going to touch on that a little bit later in the show, um, just to get a little bit of a better explanation on what's exactly happened um, in that game to Demar Hamlin as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, so some of the things we're going to be talking about. Uh, today, as I mentioned, we're also going to uh, talk to Matt Reed shortly about his uh, Palais story. Was Palais being laid to rest in Brazil today? Been driven through the streets on the top of a fire engine, so everyone can see the coffin, um, which is which is pretty crazy scenes over there in Brazil. Um, we're also going to have uh, after eight Brad Weber is going to come on. Uh, we're going to talk to Brad uh, probably more about his golf than anything else. Uh, we're well, gonna you, talk, you're uh, going to talk about his golf. <laughs> don't worry, he will talk about his golf, <laughs> mate. Um, we're also going to uh, cover off some NBA. Ben Francis, big Ben Francis is going to join us uh, because the darts, big darts final was on today. Starts around nine, so he's going to uh, jump on the phone and uh, talk us through what's been going on at the darts because there's been a bit of controversy there. Uh, Aaron Walsh, is a mate of yours. He's coming on at nine o'clock as well, Mitch. Yeah, Aaron Walsh. He's uh, he's a mental skills coach, so he's working with the Chiefs at the moment. He's been with the Texan Rangers uh, over in the NBL. Um, he's with the Scottish um, rugby team at the moment, leading into the World Cup, obviously. So he's he's on that mental side of the game. So we'll have a chat to him about 
you know, maybe stuff like what's pressure and, and what his job is in those teams and, and how he sees his role in trying to make sure players can perform at their the peak performance. Yeah, right. So we've got uh, Aaron Walsh coming on after nine. Also, Paul Mawadi uh, is back from holiday. He'll join us. Big Dave from Foot Locker as well. We'll talk some sneakers. And then after 10 o'clock, uh, we'll talk cricket. Of course, uh, the test match, second test in Karachi continues to move on. And around 10.20, we'll also talk to uh, Ryan Clark about the uh, DeMar situation in the NFL and, and what happens now because it is the last or second to last round so how do they fit this game in will they fit it in what will happen on that front we'll talk all about that and more can't wait question of the day yeah well that's the thing the can't wait question of the day today is who's stealing a living who is stealing a living? There are plenty of people around, uh, you know, that have got opinions on sports people, whether they be coaches, whether they be athletes, whatever. So who for you do you think is stealing a living? I'll, I'll, I'll start you off, Mitch. Mm. Tell you who's stealing a living. The uh, Black Caps Middle Order. Um, how's this for a stat, <laughs> right? Um, this is uh, the, uh, the the first innings in Karachi. Our first two wickets made 234 runs. Our next four wickets made 45, and then the last four wickets made 154. Geez, they were good. Yeah, you're right. That middle order is still <laughs> living at the moment. Geez, uh, Matt Henry was great, wasn't he? Um, I, I don't have one for you off the top of my head. You don't? Um, so I'm going to need a bit of help. So if you if you have any ideas, help me out, jog my mo- memory. Give us a text on the Temper Bed Post text machine double eight double three, or give us a call on the Kennards Higher phone line 0800 150811. Help us out with that one. Uh, yeah, who's stealing a living? Who's stealing a living in this in sports at the moment? Who do you think? I know uh, there's been you know criticism of different players, different coaches over 2022. So who do you think it is that's stealing a living at the moment? Uh, let us know. Uh, to be honest, I often feel like I'm stealing a living sitting here talking sport. I know. I, I, I definitely believe Louis Herman Watt is stealing a living when he produ- produces an inverted commas breakfast uh, because you know those boys do a lot of work off their own bat. Louis just just cruises it. I know that. Um, so we're putting Captain K in that. Yeah, Captain K definitely is stealing a living. Um, mm. I, yeah, I mean waltzing in at quarter to six after we'd been here for a, an hour and a half each. Mm. You know, I, I think you have to say that he's stealing a living today. Hundred percent. Right. And, and Joey, uh, Joey spoke to us before he went on holiday. Mm. He's been away. He's back in the box. Yeah. Uh, but he said uh, he was going to steal a kiss on New Year's Eve. And I, I guess did that happen, Joey? Uh, that didn't happen. But Hot Boy Summer, I will say, is in full swing. I, I did have a good, I had a good time off. But no, I did not get the midnight kiss. You didn't get the midnight. Ah, oh, Joe, what's what's wrong with your game? My game's there. I just decided not to. Oh, um, but I, I, I kissed her a couple of days later. But I just didn't in the moment. I wasn't comfortable. You know. Okay. Too much pressure. Maybe we can get the mental skills coach um, to to help you with that about dealing with the the moment. <laughs> what do you think? We'll Love it. Bring that Love up. it. We'll definitely have to bring that up, Joe. You you comfortable with us talking about that? Actually, yeah, and also, can you ask him how like I can like like kind of break up, not break up with the girl, but kind of. So you know what's happened here? He's he's caught it. He's between two fence posts. He's in between two fence posts. He's gone from trying to steal a kiss on uh, New Year's Eve at midnight to how do I break up with her? That was quick. <laughs> not her, the other girl. The oh, other girl. It sounds oh, like he oh, intended oh. to kiss a certain <laughs> girl on New Year's right. and ended up being another girl that he's... Yeah, so he's yeah. between two fence posts here, Ricardo. Jeez, Joe Fish, the player. <laughs> the player. <laughs> Hate the player, not the game. Is that what they say? Should I just message that to the other girl? Just saying, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I just, hate the player, not the game. Goodbye. Just, 
Just well, let's just clip this. Yeah, let's <laughs> clip this go. and just send it to her. <laughs> yeah. oh, Say God. sorry, the boy's out of me on air. I uh, guess hard luck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so tough. Uh, you've been stealing a living, love. Sorry, not up to it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm moving on. I'm moving on. No, let us know though. Double eight, double three. Who's been stealing a living? That is a temper bedpost te- a text machine. Uh, temper and bedpost range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body, so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. Um, keep yeah, keep those coming through to us, and, and we'll continue on those. I mean, is it harsh to say the uh, the, the black caps were lord of stealing a stealing a living off the back of what one and a half tests? Oh, you can say whatever you want, mate. You're still in a living sitting here. Hey, that is true, that's why mate. you keep on getting employed. The well, hot I, takes with Ricardo. Well, I did say yesterday, and I'll, I'll, I'll back myself on this one. I did say yesterday uh, that Tim Southey, mm. he should let Matt Henry bat above him. Given yeah. that, you know, he's. I, I had a look. So uh, AJ's Patel scored 35, right? Overnight. Mm. The last time Tim Southey scored more than 35 in a test match for New Zealand was 2018 Boxing Day test. Wow. I think Tim Tim Southey in his new contract as test skipper has a clause in there that he can't bat below nine. (laughs) Do you reckon he's written that in there? Oh, mate. It's the one thing in sport, like in cricket, that you don't want to be. You don't want to be a number 10 or 11. Yeah, okay. Number nine. Where did did you bat mainly? You batted sort of down down double digits, didn't you? Uh, No, actually, there was a few people who came in who was a little little bit worse than me for a while there, so about eight or nine at, at my peak. Yeah, A couple of games at four. I always try to bring that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always. How'd you go for? Yeah, gun in one game. In one game. And then the other game was part of a hat trick. Oh, okay. <laughs> so the experiment that didn't last long? No, nah, it didn't. Two different coaches and then never got another another chance with the second coach. Yeah, right. So yeah. when you were batting, did you see yourself as kind of almost a bowling all-rounder? No. No, you were definitely no. a bowler who liked to just smack it. Have a whack, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Unfortunate thing about being uh, for, for my batting was um, I used to love playing spin. Oh yeah, love playing spin. Um, but as a tail ender, you never face spin. So, really, eh? yeah. Unless so, you're playing subcontinent, I suppose. So, mate, I could have been the best middle order batsman in the world. Nobody just knows. never got the chance. Yeah, mm. that's the problem. You that's a yarn. That's yes. a real. That's, that's, that's a cap. That's a la cap. <laughs> what's a la cap? Oh, la cap. You never yeah. heard la cap? No. What's la cap mean? Oh, kids might be able to talk about this a little bit better, but I'll, I'll try to give it a little bit justice. Mm. Uh, but la cap is LeBron uh, gets caught in interviews, mm. like. Talking absolute garbage, like absolute rubbish. Oh, like, yeah. So, like, cap means, um, nah, bullshit, basically. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. like, so if, if you tell me a story, I go, cap. Right. Yeah, it means, like, nah, you're talking shit. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, and so, so but they call it a cap. But they call LeBron. it a cap now. So, all over Reddit, all over any Instagram posts on LeBron, uh, you get la cap. Yeah. La cap. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> or la lol or stuff like that. Is that right, Kiz? Yeah, pretty bang on. Is that? Yeah, that is coming through. Sorry, yeah. I had my headphones on the wrong bloody ear. Coming late, put the wrong headphones on the wrong way. Talk about now, stealing a living. What a, yeah, talk about stealing a living, this guy. Uh, nah, LeBron. Uh, nah, but there, I showed Mitch a compilation this morning, and it's basically there's Le First Page, uh, Le Cap, Le Musician. Uh, it's just this compilation of LeBron pretending that he knows and does all these sort of real intricate things when in reality he's just, uh, as Mitch said, 
Lecapping it. Yeah, lecapping it. Lecapping it. But oh. yeah, got a got a good one, little one coming up for you just after seven thirty. All right, we'll keep it. We'll keep an ear out for that. Uh, but keep your texts coming through. Double eight, double three, double eight, double three. Uh, who has been stealing a living? That is our uh, question of the day. Double eight, double three is the temper bed post text machine or the Kenai Tire phone line. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. It's nineteen past seven. It is uh, seven twenty four. Mitch and Ricardo for breakfast. Thanks to the chemist warehouse. I mentioned earlier, it's Palais funeral today um, talking about people stealing a living uh, Gianni Infantino the president of FIFA uh, certainly seems to be doing that a uh, bit of a disrespectful shot uh, Mitch at the funeral he's taking a selfie in front of his coffin I know what's he up to oh, what's going on there what a blonker yeah exactly now a man who's definitely not stealing a living mainly because we're not paying him for the spot is Matt Reid uh, out of the UK uh, Matt you've got a Palais story that we didn't get out of you yesterday so we thought we'd call you back uh, good evening to you that was the sound of me hanging up because I'm not getting a fee for this. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yes, no, I have got a story and I'm, I'm so eager to tell it. I've been meaning to put it on Twitter as a bit of a thread, but uh, I'm, not, I'm not as Twittering at the moment, so I'm, I'm not going around to doing that, so I thought I'd share it with you guys instead. Well, Ted, um, so, are you ready? So, yeah, I'm, I'm ready. How did it come about? Where and when did you talk to Pelle? Okay, so he was, he was launching, he was kind of um, breaking away from being somebody who was closely affiliated with Puma um, back in the early 10s of the uh, 21st century. And it was 2011 or 2012, I was invited by um, a PR company who were representing Pele, who was launching his own range of football boots. Uh, and I wasn't particularly special in this. There, was a, there were another 10 or 15 journalists, but most of them were, were, were getting the opportunity to speak to them in groups. I was in quite an unusual position where I was being granted the opportunity to speak to him one-to-one. It was a, a amazing access. Um, and I had a conversation with the, with the, the team at, at Match, where I was working at the time, a uh, youth football magazine that was selling a huge number of, of, of issues every single week. Um, and we did big reviews and all that kind of thing. And, and, and there, was just, there, was a, there was a lack of interest, particularly in the story. I'm like, this is the greatest player of all time. The issue was that our, our obsession on the magazine was covering... Uh, live talent. It was talking about where it was. A, it was a young readership, and they were kind of obsessed with the players who were happening at the time. But I was like, well, we can create an angle for this. We have to speak. This is the greatest player of all time, for goodness sake. So. I was like, well, no matter what the story I'm getting out of this is, I'm going to cover this story. So the angle I kind of crafted out of it was um, we, we, could, we were looking at, uh, at options for, um, for, for potentially maybe for coming for the upcoming World Cup in Brazil, uh, looking at the current Brazil team. But then it's just like, well, this is, this is the guy who's revered as being the greatest of all time alongside Maradona at the time. Um, well, but we've got... Uh, Messi and Ronaldo are coming up on the rails and are really challenging in a credible way for being known as the greatest of all time. That's the conversation we need to have with him. So that's the conversation that I took along with me to go and speak to him about uh, when I was invited to speak to him. And uh, what, the rest what, was his, yeah, what was his take when you said to him about Ronaldo well, and Messi? Well, well, it was it was this is it was so interesting. The, the, I, I was I was promised fifteen minutes with Pele, as always happens in these situations. I walked into the room and they were like, "We might be able to do eight nine minutes." I'm like, well, "I've got fifteen minutes of questions, etc." All of that kind of thing happened from the start. Pele was the guy who was in, in charge in the room. He was like, oh, we'll, we'll do as much as we can. We know. And he was absolutely he was warm. He was engaging. He was such a nice and uh, a likable person as I kind of walked into the room. 
I showed him this list. I spoke, I talked to him about the angle of the story, made it really clear to him what we were going to do. And he, he kind of like took this piece of paper, which had the, had the 20 greatest players of all time, in the opinion of myself and my colleagues, uh, the likes of Maradona and Eusebio and Zidane and Best and Cruyff and Daglish and Bobby Moore and all of these kind of the greats of all time. And he loved it. He was, he was list, listing through, pointing at Di Stefano, saying about where he was and like he liked that and liked this. Toward the top of the list, that's where Messi and Ronaldo were. Messi in second and Ronaldo in third. And I said to, I said to him, well, this, is, this list was written a, a few weeks ago. Every week they're getting closer to you, closer to taking your top spot. How do you feel about that? And Pele's response was so interesting. I think there's a great deal of brand awareness, the importance of him being seen as being the greatest of all time. And he was very aware that Messi and Ronaldo were, with their consistency of their, their performances, were eating up the ground. He just refused, in the most polite and pleasant way possible, he refused to acknowledge any idea that those two players could be considered to anybody else on the list, could be compared. And I was, I was like, well, Lionel Messi has been scoring now for, for 10 years. He's been scoring 30, 40, 50, 60 goals a season, you know, in, in one of the greatest leagues in the world against these players and doing this, this and that. It didn't matter anything to Pele. Pele was just like, I, I won't judge him until he retires. And the, the kind of follow-up to that was, well, so um, why is that when he's achieved all of this? He's broken all these records and blah, blah, blah. And Pele was just, um, well, I'm really pleased that you've judged me as being, the, as being the greatest. It's a great honor that you bestow on me. He wasn't saying, he wasn't agreeing that he was the best at any kind of point, but he was very pleased with that. Um, but he just refused to acknowledge that you could, you could take any kind of analysis of what Ronaldo and Messi were as players until they'd hung their boots up and you look back on it. Um, and I think a lot of it was just out of PR. It was just awareness that his brand was massively built around being the best. He loved the fact that we'd, that we'd put Maradona down to fourth, that we had these two young <laughs> upstarts ahead of him in the list. He absolutely he, he loved that. And he made a couple of, couple of slightly, slightly um, despite having good interactions with Maradona a, a number of times in, in his post-career phase, he made some, uh, some little comments about um, how long Maradona had, had achieved for and speaking about, um, about you know, how he did very, very well. But it was almost like damning him with faint praise. But referencing as well the uh, the kind of like the uh, the imperfect aspects of Maradona's career and uh, the uh, kind of like the negativity around the hand of God and things like that. He didn't he didn't shy away from those big topics, but um, he was very happy clearly to be for us to have put him so high or, or you know three places above Maradona. <laughs> he just refused he refused outright to acknowledge that Messi and Ronaldo were fit to be in the same company as him until they had retired. It's really interesting. Good stuff, Matt. Thanks very much for coming on and giving us the story. It's all right. It's all right. Um, and just a final sign off as far as he's concerned. I can't, I, I'm a huge fan of Pele. Um, I can't speak highly enough of him. And if you get the chance, if, if your listeners get the chance to watch the kind of like the highlights reels back of him, just, just, just watch how he was scythed and kicked mm. and, and the way that he performed. A, a remarkable player. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Well said, mate, well said. Thanks, Matt. We'll let you get on with Dad duties, uh, and we'll talk to you again soon, eh? Yes, all. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It is uh, 29 away from 8 o'clock. Time for the latest in news and sport with Johnny Mack. 33 minutes past seven here on SENZ. Thank you, Johnny Mack, for the news. So lovely uh, to have your voice back on the station. Boys, couple headlines here thanks to Bunnings Trade. Helping business is their trade. I thought we'd kick it off. Something that we've been talking about all week. Cristiano Ronaldo. Mitch, Ronaldo. Can you just give it a crack for me one time? 
Lock it. Lock it. Ronaldo. Ronaldo. Uh, Cristiano, uh, speaking of Le Cap, Cristiano and contradiction. We've mm. got to think of a word for that because uh, obviously we know that Cristiano has gone uh, to Saudi Arabia to sign with Al Nasser. Uh, we looked back on this clip the other week, Rick, when he spoke to Piers Morgan. Uh, he said he wasn't quite done yet, but he's come out this morning with a pretty big statement. Let's just have a look back at what he's told Piers. I, I still believe that I can score many, many goals and help the team because I, I still believe that I'm, I'm still good and capable. Good and capable. He still thinks he can compete in Europe. Uh, Cristiano's come out today in his El Nessa uh, press conference. My work in Europe is done. I played for the biggest clubs. So is that a, is that a sort of Mitch to you? Is that sort of a Le Cap moment done there by Cristiano? Oh, I think it's uh, La realises he's not the goat. Yeah. That's yep. what I think. Yeah, Messi's uh, gone past him, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. he is. And yes, taking now. it back to the other well, day as well, one of the biggest downfalls in football, Rick. Yeah, well, it was. I, and I love this too. You know banter between clubs and between fans? El Nasir have signed Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, Al Alahi, I think it's Al Alahi, yeah. are their big rivals yeah. in Saudi Arabia. Um, they've just stopped their club shop for fans, full of Lionel Messi jerseys. Oh, is this the Messi? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, how's that for the oh, ultimate mate, that middle finger amazing. to Al Nasir and Cristiano? That is amazing. But no, I'm loving that, boys. And just sticking on the route of football, and uh, we spoke there with Matt, and he told an amazing Pele story. What a what an amazing story, and how amazing would it have been to actually have met the man and, and mm. let alone speak to him? We don't throw the term goat or great around uh, lightly, but Pele definitely was... Uh, a man that deserves one of those titles, and Gianni Infantino, we just mentioned before, is he's acting out a little bit at this uh, at this funeral, which is a time he shouldn't really be. But uh, in a in a nice gesture, uh, FIFA are asking every country to name one stadium after Pele. Oh, okay. What stadium, Mitch, in New Zealand would you name after Pele? <laughs> oh, Pele Palace. I don't know. Pele Palace. Yeah, Pele Palace. Where? Uh, maybe Lord Ellsmore Park. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, Bucklands Beach Football Club yeah. uh, reside out of there. Oh, no, they play in the yellow. Yeah, they play in the yellow. Yeah. So that's fitting, yellow yeah. and blue. Not, not William Green Domain, the home of, it used to be the home of Howick FC. I think Fencibles still play a bit there. Fencibles are there, but yeah. uh, Bucklands Beach is, is rising up, mate. Right, yeah, okay. The home of, uh, the new home of Palais, Palais Stadium in it's East Auckland. It's interesting because I grew up out that way, and when we used to play Bucklands Beach when I was probably like 14, 15, 16, they were just started as a club, and they were based in Eastern Beach, just behind, you know, where the dairy and the restaurant are on the corner when you go down to Eastern Beach? Yeah, yeah. There's a, a side road, and they, they were, they were Based down there, oh, based there. Yeah, I don't mm. know if they're still there or not. No, no, they're not. Uh, where would where would you say you caught me on the hop there? I'm trying to think what stadiums we actually have. Yeah, well, I mean, you got Forsyth Bars, obviously got a sponsor around it. Eden yeah. Park doesn't have a sponsor around it. I mean, but would you would you call you know the the home of the All Blacks, the spiritual home of the All Blacks, with statues of Michael Jones and the likes outside it? Yeah, it can't you, be Eden Park, Palais Park. Could this be Christchurch's excuse to get a new stadium? Ooh. Open up the Palais Stadium. Yeah. It's FIFA and get some money off FIFA. Get some money off FIFA. Hey, that'll that'll help the council. Yeah, totally. Yeah, get get Razor on. Get Razor onto it. Um, nah, but I'll tell you what, Colin. If you if you're looking for that new stadium and you need a bit of help, Bunnings Trade. They're always there to make your job easier because helping business is their trade. There's my headlines, lads. Nice work, nice work, Kes. Uh, we're doing our our can't wait question of the day was who is stealing a living uh, in sport? And a couple of texts come through. Uh, first one I thought was a bit harsh. <laughs> 
<laughs> bit harsh. Richie's coming pretty hot at Bolty and Guppy in the BBL. I can understand uh, when you say Guppy hasn't scored runs until last night. Uh, I can kind of get that kind of vibe. He's going to come right now, though. Uh, but Bolty's been going good. Uh, sounds like Richie's a little bit bitter that he might have just left the Black Caps potentially in the lurch coming up to this World Cup. Maybe that's what it is. Mm. Yeah. And Clayton as well, he said every rugby all-black bench player. Yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> just anybody that's yeah, on the bench. Anyone field, who's please. on the bench. Oh, yeah, okay. So keep those coming through. Double eight, double three, double eight, double three. the temper bedpost text machine. Uh, the can't wait question of the day is who is stealing a living in sport? Who's stealing a living in sport? Uh, let us know what you think on that. I'll tell you what else you can do is you can jump on the Kenatai phone line 0800 150 811 and give us a call now if you want to play Quizzy Dag or Quizzy Mitch as we're calling it a $50 TAB bonus bet could be yours we're going to do that next here on SENZ This is how you do it Quizzy Dag come play it This is how we do it Quizzy Dag come play it Quiz is on the line just one at a time Don't Google a lie Phone a friend, you'll be fine Just listen for the signs T.A.B. with the prize 50 bucks if you wise If you're wrong and then we'll say goodbye This is how we do it This is how we do it Quizzy that come play it Quizzy that come play it 0800 150 811. Now give us a call. Absolutely, give us a go. Give us a call on the Kennards Hire phone line 0800 150 811. Hit me up. We've got a few on the line today, uh, all trying to win that TAB $50 bonus bet. Uh, I actually did a write on the quiz this morning, Ricardo. You yeah. were. You'll be pleased to know. Yeah, I think we got four of the five, didn't you? Yep, yep. yep. Yeah, I made a slight mistake yeah. on one, but it was either one or two, wasn't it? So we'll crack into it. We're going to go Richie. Richie, how are you, mate? Oh, no. Tim, 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 how are you, mate? Very well. How are we going? Yeah, bloody good. Hey, mate, you hit us up on the Temper Bedpost text machine. Uh, hands down, you said Easy Ian Foster is the man stealing <laughs> yeah. living. I've put you on the spot. Yep, 100%. 100%. <laughs> I've got to say, I, I, I can't... He couldn't, do, he couldn't do his job, so they got a whole bunch of other people to come in and help do it for him. So you've got <laughs> Joe Schmidt and Jason Ryan and he's sitting there, helicopter view. Isn't he? Nothing. Isn't he? Hey, how good, Tim. <laughs> love it. I love it, mate. That's bloody good. Well, we'll get straight into this, mate. Um, I hope you've been watching the basketball. Donovan Mitchell scored 71 points in the NBA yesterday. Which team does he play for? Oh, um, have you got a clue? Oh, probably not today. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that. I'll give you this much. Um, I was going to say it's uh, where LeBron started. Uh, Cleveland. Was that too, that's too, too, too obvious? <laughs> too obvious. Sorry. Yep, that's correct, Tim. Well done, mate. Well done. Uh, yeah, he does play in Cleveland. Uh, it was a fascinating end to the game, actually. He bounced the ball off the rim. Uh, regathered and put it in himself. So a nice little clip of that a little bit later. But uh, went to overtime and they ended up beating Chicago in overtime. So question number two. Hugo Ombert won the last ASB Classic in 2020. Which country does he come from? Uh, well, the name not that. I guess he's French. 
He is indeed. Nice, Tim. We're off to a good start. Not Nigerian. Not Nigerian. <laughs> <laughs> okay, inside joke. That's, inside that's, joke. That's the one that Mitch got wrong this morning. That's the one I got wrong. That is the one I got wrong. Which, <laughs> which NBL team do the Webster brothers play for? Unfortunately, it's not, Tim. Unfortunately, it's not. Unfortunately. All right, we are going on to Richie. Richie, how are you? Morning. Morning. Perfect. All right, mate. So have you been listening yesterday? Uh, Louis did an interview and talked about the Webster Brothers. Uh, which NBL team do the Webster Brothers play for? From Wildcats. Ties to sign with them. Yeah, he has. Ty Webster has just uh, b- uh, joined his brother Corey Webster at the Wildcats, so that could go one or two ways. Mm. Looking uh, forward to the billboard that um, Breakers PR people put up about Ty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll be bloody good. I hope they do come out with something. It'll be awesome. Good banter, fuel the fire. All right, question number four. Who leads the Super Smash Women's in total runs scored? Susie oh, Bates. She does indeed. She's an absolute jet, an absolute machine. Seems to be going and getting even better as she gets older. Who is the only footballer to win three World Cups? Oh, the greatest of all time, Calais. Richie, my man, beautiful. Lock it in, a $50 TAB bonus bet. Oh, wow, how good. Uh, well, after a couple of days of public holidays, bit of punting, I'm sure you can do with that. Uh, any ideas what you're going to go go with today or over the coming week? Well, probably look at the Super Smash and probably going to surprise you. I'm not going to put down the Blaze as the favourites to win. Ooh. Ooh. Probably at Canterbury or Northern because the Blaze will lose half their team to um, the World Cup. That's yeah. the same day as the was on. True. That's a good point. That's actually. a really good point, actually. Very good point. Oh. I like it. I like it, Richie. Thanks, mate. Uh, promotions in play and hundreds of sport markets to choose from. Visit tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. And also, it's R18. Here you go. That is uh, Quizzy Dag or Quizzy Mitch uh, for another day. We'll have another $50 TAB bonus bet for you again uh, tomorrow. And uh, yeah, I mean, keep your texts coming through too on 8833. That is the Temper Bedpost text machine. Uh, we have been asking our uh, can't wait question of the day who's been stealing a living uh, in sport? Uh, we've had a few. Boldy and Guppy in the, in the BBL came through, which I thought was harsh. Uh, Richie just won actually. See that through. But uh, Boldy took two for 23 or four yesterday um, in the big Melbourne derby. I thought he's been going all right, actually. Yeah, he's been going pretty good, to be fair. I think he's about to bugger off to the UAE League. Yeah, uh, Saw a few familiar faces, actually, in a Mumbai photo. They're doing their coaches' conference in uh, the UAE before everyone shoots off either to South Africa, the Cape, to Cape Town, or to the UAE League. Shane Bond? Yeah. James Franklin is Shane Bond's assistant in the UAE ah, League. Yeah, and Jacob Oram is the bowling coach in Mumbai. Wow. Uh, for the Cape Town League, so uh, or the Sarafkin James League. Pammett have a job over there. Oh yeah, as well? Jimmy Pammett's there as well. Yeah, yeah, he's there as well. He's been with Mumbai for geez, a little while now since Jonty Rhodes left. Uh, he's been yeah, the like store fielding yeah coach, fielding eh? coach. Yeah, yeah, so he's doing really well as well. I think he is with. He's with the Seraphkin franchise. Right, there mm. you go. Okay, so yeah, Jimmy's keeping it busy as well. Lots of Kiwis doing doing stuff here, there and everywhere in the uh, in, in the T20 game. 
Yeah, where's, absolutely. Where's Mitch's job? <laughs> I'm here with you, mate. <laughs> I'm here it's keeping you in check. Yeah, well, somebody has to, mate. Somebody has to. Um, so double eight, double three. We have been asking who's stealing a living. Um, obviously, uh, other than me and Mitch doing this uh, job. But uh, Tim did mention you. You had him on before, Ian Foster, um, and he made a couple of good points about uh, Fozzie, because I, I mean, to be honest, I'm surprised he's still in a job. Um, particularly after he lost that first test in South Africa, mm. word is that Razor had the phone call. Get your squad together. We, you know, get your get your team together. Is this Le Cap or no? No, this is legit. This is not Le Cap. <laughs> it's legit. Um, and then he, he he pulled out a win in the second test, and then uh, they changed their mind. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm surprised he's not begging Moanga to stay in New Zealand. Yeah. After the World Cup. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. I'm, maybe he's off as well. Well, maybe he is. Maybe um, Fozzie's going with Richie. I'll tell you what, it'd be interesting to see he ends up playing in the All Black Tengers in 2024 because I don't think there's any guarantees that Bowden sticks around either. But keep your texts coming through. Double eight, double three, the temper bedpost text machine. We're eight away from eight. Uh, this is uh, SENZ. It is uh, breakfast with Mitch and Ricardo. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. And uh, Mitch, uh, there's a story that I, I actually saw yesterday. I forgot about Kez has just spotted it and reminded me. And Kez, it brings new light back into the Cristiano Ronaldo signing for Al Nasir in Saudi Arabia story. Lakez tradition. <laughs> I've uh, contradicted myself. If you hear my 7.30 headlines with Bunnings, I uh, brought up that Ronaldo said that he's done with Europe. Mm. But I just saw a, a cheeky little Instagram post saying, did you know there's quite a cheeky clause in his contract, isn't it, Rick? So we may be seeing Cristiano return to Europe in the near future. Yeah, so El Nasir is owned by the same people that own Newcastle United out of Saudi Arabia now, right, Mitch? Jeez. And there's a clause in Cristiano's contract, apparently, that if Newcastle United qualify for the Champions League mm-hmm. next year, he can go on loan to play for Newcastle United. <laughs> <laughs> How good's that, eh? So like, he's not done. He, well, he's, yeah, no, he's, <laughs> so, i tell you, though, if you It's going to be expensive, expensive loan to, like, sit him on the bench. Well, I mean, given that he's owned by the same company, I don't know where the money goes, you know, or where mm. the money comes from. But if you're Eddie Howe, if you're the coach in Newcastle, you've got a, a certain way you like to play. Yeah. And you it'll be much like what happened to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. You get lumped with Cristiano Ronaldo and you have you can't not play him. So that's, you have to change things. That's the best thing about it to me is that if Newcastle wanted him in the first place, they had the funds to go out and sign him. They yeah. had the El Nasser money to go out and get Ronaldo in the first place. But they don't want him. So that indicates <laughs> to me that if if – Newcastle qualify for the Champions League. Yeah, it's sort of going to be like a double-edged sword for them. They're like, yeah, we made the Champions League, but oh, this guy who didn't contribute anything to our Champions League season is going to have to come on and take the spot of an Isaac or someone who's, who, or even a Chris Wood. You yeah, know? exactly. I'd start Chris Wood over Cristiano Ronaldo, and I never thought I'd say that. <laughs> yeah, Don't well, clip that, mo- Joey. Don't at, clip at the oh. moment, I would, I would agree with you. At the moment, I'd agree with you. Callum Wilson would be ahead of him as well for me, and the way that they like to play, the, the closing and the pressing and everything that that front line does for Newcastle. They defend from the front, right? And Cristiano Ronaldo does not do that. It's not in his game. He never did it when he could run. Now he can't run and he still doesn't do it. So uh, that's that's never going to change. Coming up after 8 o'clock, we're going to be talking to Brad Webber. Um, I guess we're going to talk to him about best fishing spots, uh, his golf, Christmas, New Year's, uh, what he sees happening for 2023, and a few other things as well. Uh, remember to keep your texts coming through on double eight double three for who is stealing a living 
and the world of sports. Right now, though, it is time for news with Johnny. Thanks to Kubota, together we are shaping and building New Zealand. Good morning. It is five past eight here on SENZ. Breakfast with Mitch and Ricardo. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day coming up this hour. Brad Webber's going to join us. We'll be uh, talking to him about what 2023 has in store and a few other things as well. Ben France is also going to uh, join us before 9 o'clock and he's going to preview the darts, the big final on at the PDC uh, today. That starts at around 9, so he's going to preview that for us, uh, talk about a few of the controversies that have happened during the tournament as well. Aaron Walsh, mental skills coach after 9. We'll catch up with Paulie Mawadi from the TAB as well. Uh, Big Dave from Footlock is going to come and talk sneakers with us. We'll talk a bit of cricket, NFL, NBA as well. But right now joining us is Brad Weber uh, from the Chiefs. Uh, G'day, Brad. How are you, mate? How's 2023 treating you so far? Morning, fellas. Yep, so far so good. I'm just in the mighty Waikato, just kicking back, um, enjoying the lovely air around here. Yeah, bloody beautiful, eh? Uh, look, Brad, uh, New Year, New You. Uh, do you have any mansions you live by? Um, actually, um, well, I've got one for you here. <laughs> Life. There's roadblocks. Don't, don't let nothing stop you. Because we ain't stopping. We're going to keep going. <laughs> Is that what you live your life by, Brad? Yeah, like DJ Khaled just really inspired me in that video. And, you know, just smashing his golf cart, but then staying super positive about it. I just, I took so much from it, Mitch. So, yeah, to be honest, when you asked me that question, I was, I was a bit stumped for words. I didn't know what I'd say, but that's, uh, you've saved me there. Saved you? No, mate. Jeez, uh, I bet you he went on to make par or maybe. He doesn't look like he'd have a great golf swing, does he? Well, sometimes it's the guys that um, that don't quite look uh, like golfers, that are some of the best. I've uh, played with a few, a few of those guys. I think you're getting Aaron Walsh on later. He's uh, he's a bloody good golfer, and um, doesn't. <laughs> I, I won't I won't say exactly, but you know, Walsh doesn't look like a, a, a good golfer. Don't tell him I said that, please. Um, but he is awesome. Clip clip that up, kids. That's the intro to Aaron Walsh. <laughs> that is bloody good. That is bloody good, Brad. Oh, classic, bro. Like so. So Walsh is with the Chiefs this year, isn't he? Um, look, oh, I guess we might as well ask a serious question after that clip. What? How important is it to have someone like Aaron Walsh, who's a mental skills coach, in in a professional rugby setup? Oh, I, I think it'd be one of the you know outside your your, your normal coaches. It should be the first one signed up, like. Mental skills coaches for me over my, particularly my super rugby career and all base career has been massive for me. Um, Walsh is a great man. He's um, he's got a lot of gold nuggets in there, and like just sitting down and chatting with you through your experiences around how you've handled like high pressure environments and high pressure situations, and how maybe you do things differently, and um, giving you little um, I guess gold nuggets to to deal with those situations better next time is like has been massive for me in my development over the last few years because like, and in, in, especially in rugby you, you come into some pretty high pressure environments where or situations where you need to make some big big decisions really really quickly and how do you deal with that how do you deal with mistakes um and to be honest at the start of my career i didn't deal with them very well at all um and then um and then I, on the other side as well which has really helped me is through injury particularly long-term injury when i I broke my femur in 2017 and was out for, for the year. Missed, thought it was going to be a big year for me. British and Irish Lions were coming, so I was missing that. Um, there's a lot of things on the line that year, all-black selection. 
that I was basically had just been taken away from me in the preseason. And mm. um, David Galbraith at the time was our mental skills coach before Walshie, and um, he was brilliant. He came around to my house straight away as soon as I got back from Brisbane, and um, sat down and we mapped out how my future was going to look how I was going to get back, what I was going to do mentally to make sure I was in a good headspace. And um, I couldn't thank that guy enough for, for what he did for me through that period. How tough is it to play golf against him? Um, because I'd imagine there's a, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of smack talk that goes on in the tee. Um, but a guy like he's a mental skills coach, yeah, I, I, I'm assuming he's, like, you know, he's a bit like Superman on, on that front. He's just impervious. Yeah, he is. And he knows all your weaknesses too, like your mental weaknesses, because you've, <laughs> you've been real vulnerable. You've told him everything. So he knows every little bit of detail what's going inside your head. He so, wouldn't even need to um, say anything, would he? Just You're just sitting there going, is he going to use it? Is he going to use the sledge? Yeah. <laughs> no, he's a, pretty, he's a pretty good bugger to be fair. Well, she's, um, he's pretty smiley and positive most of the time around the golf course and very chatty, which which I really appreciate. So, you know, I, I love having around with Walsh. I've never, never beaten him. Don't think I ever will, but I'll keep trying. Brad, what is, um, on your on your Twitter, on your Instagram, sorry, you say you're a former Scarfie. What is the connection between the Hawks Bay and Dunedin? Yeah, I don't know. I think it might be something about just trying to get as far away from your parents as possible. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, when we were just uh, me and a few boys from Navy boys, sort of deciding what we wanted to do after after school, we looked at the goings on down in Dunedin and thought that looks pretty cool. Uh, let's get down there. So, um, yeah, mate, honestly, four, I spent four years in Dunedin as a scarfy and. Still to this day, they're probably the four best years of my life. Jeez, I had fun. Well, yeah, bro. I, I bet it was great. I bet it was great. Um, look, I, I, I've loved seeing you back in the Hawks Bay jersey. Uh, for me, that's that's my my team, my NPC team, where I was born as well, mate. Uh, I just want to know, if, if you were to hang out in one of three spots, would it be Turks, the Thirsty Whale, or the Posh Joint Diva? <laughs> great question. Um, jeez. I don't know you're a Hawks Bay boy, mate. That's good to know. Um, I would... Oh, oh, look, I'm a nature boy, mate. I can't go past the thirsty whale. The dirty <laughs> whale, get me in there. With, <laughs> the dirty with everyone whale. else just being absolutely grubby. So, yeah. Yeah. Whale. I, was, I was just I was going to say, Brad, I was, I was just looking. It reminded me when you said about uh, when um, you were asked about going to Otago. I was, I was looking at the... Uh, I was looking at the Otago rugby team from 93 when they played the British and Irish Lions. John Timu, mm. fullback, Andre Bell on the wing, Bashup, Forster, Aaron Penne, Tane Randall, all Hawks Bay boys, mate. It was like, I think those boys were the ones that started it. Yeah, I, I think so. That's what, what sort of I remember as well was a lot of those Hawks Bay boys, especially um, Stu Forster for me and um, Tane Randall and the likes, Josh Cronfeld. Uh, Cronfeld. So, yeah, look, there's so much history between Hawks Bay and, and uh and Otago, so like, it was nice to carry on that tradition. And funny you sp- speak of that 93 uh, British and Irish Lions. So I grew up watching uh, the video, the VHS tape of Hawke's Bay beating um, the British and Irish Lions that day. My old man played halfback for Hawke's Bay, scored a try, and they beat them. So I would he would have made me sit down and watch that about 50 times. <laughs> I could probably um, do the whole commentary for you right now if you really wanted to. <laughs> oh, we can give it a crack. No, we won't put you through that. Um, my question for you is... Um, You've had five teams in one year this year, Brad. Um, are the lads around the scenes calling you Trent Bolt? <laughs> yeah, him or Jimmy Nation or something. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Was that pretty crazy, mate? Yeah. Five teams, a lot of teams to play as a professional rugby player in one year. 
Yeah, I, I don't think obviously never done it. And when I think about it, I'm um, I'm pretty sure TJ did six because he played for his club team as well, which is crazy. Like for a rugby team, for a rugby player, you often maybe get two teams: your Super Rugby and your NPC team, or your Super Rugby team and the All Blacks, and that's about it. So um, yeah, when I sort of sat back and thought about it, I was like, wow, I've been in a lot of teams this year. It's the first time that's ever happened to me. So yeah, I'm not sure it'll happen again, but. Um, but it's been fun. I've met some great great blokes along the way that I wouldn't have got to play with, especially in that All Blacks 15 mm. and, and the Maldi. So, um, look, I, I wouldn't change it. It's been great. Uh, we just had a text come through, actually, um, Brad, from Brett. He said, can you ask Spud if he's playing in the Black Clash? <laughs> no, no, I got dropped from that. Poor performance for a couple of years, so <laughs> got the bin. <laughs> Probably fair enough. I'll just stick to last man stands on a Thursday night. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not too competitive for you. It's starting to get a little bit no. heated now in last man stands, isn't it? No, social enough. We've we've just entered the Chiefs team for the first time. We've um, had a couple of, uh, I guess, some dark horses in amongst, particularly the management. Clayton McMillan mm-hmm. actually bowls a very tidy ball. And David Hill, seriously good uh, batsman. I don't think he's been out yet. He's had a couple of 50s. So, yeah, yeah we're pretty competitive. We're pretty competitive as, as rugby players are, but. Um, it's also just a good bit of fun to have after pre-season because, geez, pre-season slogs are, are, are tough. So having a little bit of a carrot on a Thursday night to have a barbecue, maybe a couple of beers and play a bit of cricket is pretty cool. Yeah, it is pretty Love cool. I, I, I played um, some eight-a-side uh, Twilight Business House cricket at Cornwall and, uh, a few years ago. and Mark Ellis had a team in. And you're only allowed in that that they've got the artificial pitches, and you're allowed, mm. your run ups only allowed to go from the edge of the artificial pitch. So it's about three strides. Man, he could generate some pace. I I did the old get your foot to the get your foot to the pitch of the ball and try and drive him. First one went for four. Second one broke my big toe because I was only wearing running shoes. <laughs> what did you consider wearing steel cap boots after that? Or something? <laughs> yeah, mate, I, that was. That was the end of it. That was the end of a season, pretty much. Broke my toe, and then I, I had seven aside football starting, and I was running the team, and we were short oh, nice. the next week. So I went in goal, and then uh, broke my finger. Um, so my missus nice. was filthy with me because I was useless. Might be a sign to maybe hang up the old boot. Hang them up. But there's been a few more signs than that to tell you that. Uh, oh, Brad, uh, you're talking about preseason. How's it all rolling? Um, so I've. I've got my first day on Monday, so I've, I've been I've popped in for one one day during uh, pre Christmas, but I've got a bit of uh, being an older fella and um, being on that end of your tour, got a little bit of mm. an older uh, longer break, which has been quite nice. So I've been trying to keep fit myself, do my own thing, but by the sounds of it, the boys have been working pretty hard, and you just always have that anxious little knot in your gut when you know that pre season's a week away, and I've got that right now. Even talking about it, I'm thinking, oh God. I'm, about to get thrashed, so it's going to be fun. You, mm. Have you? How much golf have you been playing, mate? And any any more hole on ones since mm. last time I talked to you? No, no hole on ones. Unfortunately, I'm still trying. Um, we we went on a bit of a golf tour to Sydney. Um, there's about eight of us, eight of us footy boys, and played about five courses in four days. And look, I love golf, and it was a great trip. Don't get me wrong, I absolutely loved it. But I was a little bit golfed out after that, so. The sticks have been just collecting dust in my garage at the moment, but I'll get them back out and 
um, maybe get up and give Mitch to Auckland, give Mitch a hiding someday. Oh, that is fighting talk. <laughs> that is fighting talk. Uh, so then I'm going to come back with a fighting question. Uh, okay. Who in the chief is your closest competition? Who's going to take your job this year? No, I'm just joking, bro. I'm just just joking. <laughs> just joking. Um, no, I want to know uh, what young talents come into the Chiefs this year. Um, who who have you got your eye on? Um, who's going to really stand up this year for the fellas? Oh, it is a great question. Um, the good thing for us is that we don't have a lot of turnover this year. There's a lot of um, guys, that, uh, I think we've only lost maybe one or two, so a lot of continuity, which is good. But um, I certainly am excited by our two uh, backup halfbacks. Um, well, I call them that now. They might take over my job, like you say, in no, I was a, joking, a few joking, times. Bro. I can't call them that now, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, but Cortez and Xavier, I think, um, for the future, are going to be two um, all-black calibre players. that are already outstanding at the moment. So, um, yeah, they keep me certainly keep me on my toes. I've got to keep performing, don't have my spot locked in. So, um, But, yeah, certainly for the future, man, those two are going to be um, seriously good, I think. You guys, um, I, I remember when I was down at Otago, I watched Aaron Smith go about his work in the in the high performance centre there, um, with the other half halfbacks, um, and really giving them, a, a, like you said, with Walshy some gold nuggets. Is is that part of your role now, or or are you just kind of just trying to push yourself as hard as you can and get them to follow? Yeah, no, I, I'm definitely trying to take a bit more of that role. I'm like halfbacks are interesting, my because it's not like it's not like you can just have two halfbacks on the field. It's not like a loose forward trio or midfield or outside backs. We've got three, two mm. um, of the same position on at the, at the same time. We can help out a lot. Like halfback, like we're pretty competitive. Either Only one of us is going to be on the field at the time. Um, but I must say that uh, particularly Zave and, and Cortez have, have been great. We work together a lot. Um, you know, they're, they're pretty uh, sound um, rugby players as it is, but they certainly... Uh, certainly around a lot of game sense stuff around um, uh, I guess like managing a game plan and, and things like that. They're, they're really open-minded, ask a lot of questions. Um, and so I try and help them out there, but certainly in the terms of the skill set and stuff, they're pretty, they're pretty well-rounded individuals at the moment. They don't need much of my help, but certainly off the field stuff, they're, they're, they've been great. So yeah, try to, try to mate. I guess it's, it's the way it goes when you, when you get a bit older, isn't it? You just you try and, uh, and tuck but of your wisdom onto them. You'll know all about that, Mitchie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, to you, career, mate. yeah, you got it. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done, yeah. mate. That's why I'm beyond the mic. Yeah. Uh, oh, look, mate. Uh, it's been awesome having you on, mate. Really appreciate it. Uh, what I would say, leave you with this, is DJ Kelly, like he says, uh, life gives you roadblocks. It's how you deal with them. We keep moving. Keep we moving. Keep moving. <laughs> and try and find some better music than DJ Kelly to listen to while you're doing it. Yes. Yes, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> He'll be going on mute. <laughs> good stuff, Brad. Thanks very much for coming on, bro. All, right, um, get, All good, get, go, We'll let you go hit the road, strap on the sneakers, um, get some get some Ks under your belt before next week, eh? Yeah, we'll do, mate. I'll get out there now. All right, right anyway. good stuff, Jessica. Well, 20 past eight here on SENZ. This is Breakfast with Mitch and Ricardo. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Remember, you can call us 0800 150 811. That's our Kennard's Hire phone line. Or keep your texts rolling through on who is stealing a living in sport, double eight double three. to try to tip it out. If he misses it, tip it out. And hopefully one of our guys catches it. Game winning shot. Yeah, enough time to do that with four seconds. Here we go. He missed it. Bingo!
Just to paint the picture for you, the mm. Cavs were down three uh, right. with four seconds to go. Chicago make a really nice foul, uh, get him to the line. So he's got to shoot for two, right? Yeah. He's got to shoot for two, can't win the game. Chicago try and play it out, probably get fouled and, and see who wins from there. Uh, Chicago had the upper hand, great play uh, in the end there. So and then so Mitchell makes his first three throw. Yeah. Second one, he's got to got to make sure that he hits it off the rim for it to be a, a proper three throw, um, and then he needs to someone needs to try and regather and tip it in um, for them to equal the game or tie the game to go to overtime. Chicago bring in all their big fellas, all their big fellas. They put in three centers in to try and make sure that they get the the rebound, get it off the rim. Uh, Donovan Mitchell puts it up, comes up off the rim, lobs up. All these centers go up, and somehow. Donovan Mitchell's got underneath them, threw, caught the ball on the lunge and popped it up and popped it in. It was one of those, I had to watch it three or four times again this morning just to see how he snaked his way through these seven-footers, mate. It was one of the most incredible finishes. And they ended up, they, I think it was just a, a nail in the coffin because the Bulls didn't shot, uh, fire a shot um, in overtime. Uh, he, shot, he ended up with 71 points, almost had a 70-point triple-double, and they beat the Chicago Bulls in overtime 145 to 134. Uh, it was one of those, one of those amazing, amazing last plays to send it to overtime. Time so other games around uh, the stadiums or around the states in the NBA this oh late yesterday the Knicks got up over the Suns 102 to 83 Indiana 122 over Toronto 114 76ers big Joel Embiid 42 points uh, took them to a win over the inform New Orleans Pelicans uh, 120 to 111 three games this round Ricardo uh, teams finished on 111 points the Nelson. The Nelson. Yeah, gives me the gives me the shakes every time. <laughs> if, if if you were, if you had to come in with the bat and your team was on one hundred and eleven, were you were you uh, nervous? Oh, did you have that superstition? No, I never actually had to. Thankfully, but I wasn't one of those guys who had the feet up. Right, the feet up in the changing room. Yeah, definitely had that. I don't even know why, mate. I think it's just because saw like you and Thompson or Michael Mason or yeah. spray someone when they had their feet down and we lost the wicket. <laughs> so I was like, geez, I better do that. Better get the feet up. Uh, onto the Nets, Nets and Kings. Uh, Nets got up or lost to the Kings. I uh, got up over the Kings. Sorry, got up over the Kings. My notes got <laughs> the same score. Shocking. Nets over the Kings. Easy win. Dallas, hundred eleven to Houston Rockets, one hundred six. Timberwolves up over the Nuggets. Uh, Jokic was good previous game, uh, yeah. and the Nuggets actually ended up going down to Del- uh, going down to the Timberwolves in that one. Seven seconds. Draymond at five. Play for the lead. Long Looney tip. No. Looney yes. Looney yes. The Warriors win it. Looney tunes. <laughs> yeah, well, Clay Thompson, another overtime game. Uh, Golden State over the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, Golden State won 143 to 141. Clay Thompson puts up a photo from three, trying to trying to get the game winning one, and Looney goes up, has one effort at tipping it in, and gets it on the second effort to win the game for Golden State. And and in the other games around the traps, the last two uh, Trailblazers smashed the Detroit Pistons 135 to 106, and the Lakers. 
got up over the Hornets. The Lakers actually had a win. They did, mate. They did. They absolutely did, mate. Le Cap. It wasn't Le Cap. It wasn't Le Cap. It was LeBron. It was LeBron. It was LeBron. There's the NBA wrap up, Ricardo. Nice, mate. That's good. That's good. I was watching something yesterday on Larry Bird, and it was like all these great tales of Larry Bird and his greatest moments. And there was one where Kevin McHale was telling the story where they'd gone to Phoenix and they were playing Phoenix and Phoenix, and they were absolutely dusting them. They were up like. 15 points going into the fourth quarter. He said, and then Larry just lost it. Started throwing the ball to their players, started dropping the ball, started missing shots. It was all over the show. And they got to the end of the of the fourth quarter and uh, there was a timeout called and the Celtics were down by two. So they'd led by 15, they were down by two. And Bird says, give me the ball. Give me the ball, I'm going to make a three. And Mikhail's like, we only need a two, we've got to take this to overtime. He's like, I'm not making two. I don't want to play overtime. I want to go home. And they were like, all right. So they gave him the ball. Sure enough, just walks up the court, hits the three from real deep as well, and then just puts both hands up and walks off the court straight down the locker room. It was the end, end of a road trip. Just wanted to go home. It's bloody brilliant, eh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he said, he said I, uh, I won, what did he say? I won the, thir- the first three quarters and I lost the fourth quarter and then I won us the game. So I'm two for one. Is there any person in New Zealand who knows more Larry Bird stories than you? Uh, I don't know. Actually, there's bound to be, bound to be. I, I love, I, I love Larry Legend, and there are some great stories about him. I've sent you a couple of links that you need to check out, man. But so he's so funny, and some of his smack talk was absolute genius. Anyway, we should crack on. It's 29 away from nine. We're going to talk darts before nine o'clock with the big final from the PDC Worlds coming up. Right now, though, it is time for news with Johnny. Uh, thanks to Kubota, together we are shaping and building New Zealand. Mitch, I'll just, uh, I'll throw you that one. I said before, 50 days until Super Rugby comes back. Do you have an early winner? I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Oh, okay. I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Okay. Yep. Interesting. Big Interesting. bad Brad's going to step up. Yeah. I think so. I think so. I really don't have a lot of time for any other teams anyway, so <laughs> so I'm just I'm always going to say that. Yeah, well, I, I'm a Marty Holler fan, that's why. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought being uh, born and bred in the Hawks Bay, you'd be a Highlanders fan. That's how it works. Scarfy life. Scarfy life. Hey, someone else that might need to go and get a new job, and uh, I have to give full credit to Mitch here for this one. He oh, sent he's me pulled this out one. full credit. Uh, he sent me this last night. Yeah, full credit to the boys. A big 80-minute uh, big yeah. headline shift. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the headlines this, are too. Ups. This guy's got a pretty good job already, right? Working for the Masters, right? It's something that, that these golfing guys absolutely, they, they just love it, mate. So you have to send out the invitations, obviously, to the Masters before mm. so you know who's going to be uh, going to be playing. Scott Stallings, he's a uh, he's a golfer, Mitchie. Do you, uh, are you a big fan of Scott? I can't say I know Scott or no. his golf. No, have, no. Have, have you had an invite to the Masters yet? No, I haven't. But oh, what I am okay. excited about is Ryan Fox is going to be there this year. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. That's I wonder. True. Well, I wonder actually if there's another Ryan Fox in New Zealand, because this Scott Stallings, right? He had to check his inbox uh, on Instagram after he was wondering why didn't I get invited to the Masters? I thought he thought he did enough to get there. He's got a DM in his Instagram. Hi, Scott. My name is Scott Stallings as well. And I'm from GA as well. My wife's name is Jennifer too. So there's three things in common there. He lives in GA. His name's Scott Stallings and his wife name's Jessica. We have a condo at blah, blah, blah. And earlier today, I received a FedEx from the Masters inviting me to play the tournament. Not sure this is for me. I play, but wow, not quite sure if I'm at your level. It's a very nice package. I swear this is true. And in fact, Rick, I'm holding it up to you now. He sent a photo of the Masters invitation. 
<laughs> so that got me thinking of those ads. You know how they do, oh, I'm um, Jason Statham from New Zealand. Oh, you know, yeah. Those, yeah. So there's, a, there's a Scott Stallings over there who's picked up a, uh, a Masters invite. So Masters, uh, they may have to cut the staff, but as always, just remember, Kennard's Hire, they are hiring big. There's roles to suit everyone, and they're available right now. Visit kennardshire.co.nz. Any other famous Mitch McClanagan's? Uh, there's actually a lawyer down in Dunedin. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so like heaps of people like, I actually got a couple of messages from a couple of people like, oh, geez, nice to see you like, you're, you're a lawyer now. Yeah. Now you finished cricket. <laughs> nah, mate. No, Not me. He actually, funny enough, he, uh, he was in the same year as my sister at university in Otago. Oh, wow. Yeah. That would have been weird. <laughs> That's so weird, bro. So weird. So weird. Two Mitchell McLennigans in New Zealand. Yeah. That's belief. And we're not related. Like yeah. our families aren't related, no. Nah. Because it's not exactly a common surname. No, nah, I wouldn't have thought so. No. No. Nah. Bizarre. Bizarre. <laughs> Quick one, boys, that I yeah. just remembered and actually has to do with Mitch as well. Mm. F45, somewhere in Australia, Yeah. I went on my Instagram and they tagged me in a post. And I was going, oh, okay, I don't think I've ever been to an F45, uh, which, which obviously Mitch is tied to. And, and some guy called Mitch on the F45 Instagram, posted uh, saying, oh, full credit to Kieran Bingham for coming along and doing this uh, doing this session and stuff. So Mitch and Kieran, Mitch with F45 me, I figured it out. This guy had, so my Instagram, self shameless plug, Kieran underscore Bingham, mm-hmm. this guy was Kieran double underscore Bingham, and it was posted by a Mitch from a F45 in Australia. So look at that. Doppelgangers. Doppelgangers everywhere. I wonder if this fake Scott, are we allowed to call him a fake Scott Stalling? Yeah, sure. Who got the invitation? I wonder if he like looked at the menu you that, that comes in your master's pack of what the, the winner's dinner is going to be. Or something like that. He was like, oh, what the menu was. Like, and he thought, oh, maybe I'm not going to go. Let's yeah, talk. no, I don't like lobster. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, not going, <laughs> I'm not going. It is uh, 22 away from 9 o'clock. When we come back, we're talking PDC darts with Big Ben Francis. It is 16 away from 9 here on SENZ Breakfast with Mitch and Ricardo. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse Grain Savings every day. Uh, the PDC World Darts Championship Final is on in about uh, 45 minutes. So Michael Smith takes on Michael Van Gerwen in the final. And our uh, very own darts expert, uh, host of At The Oki, Ben Francis, joins us. G'day, Ben. How are you? Morning, men. How are we? Very well, thanks. Very excited for a thrilling final today. Yeah, no, it should be a good one, mate. But it, it, it's kind of been overshadowed a wee bit, hasn't it? Because there's been plenty of smack talk going on in the world of darts. It's something that I've asked about before, you know, about things that get said between players trying to psych each other out and all that sort of stuff. And I generally get told, nah, it's always pretty good, it's always pretty friendly. But, I mean, uh, one of our finalists today, uh, Michael Van Gerwen's, uh his semi-final win over Dimitri Vandenberg was, uh, was a bit rough, mate. They were giving each other a bit a jip out there? Well, so it depends who you ask, actually. Michael Van Gerwen was asked about it in his press conference yesterday, and he kind of went toe-to-toe with a journalist who was kind of pressing him, saying, or oh, Dimitri was saying, you did this, and Michael was going, no, he didn't. You need to learn, you know, be a journalist and ask me a proper question. Learn your facts, and was, so that was quite funny to see, but oh, I think I think Van Gerwen's just fired up and very determined to win that fourth title. Yeah, and, and I mean, a different Gerwin, not a Van Gerwin, but a Gerwin Price. Uh, he also had a few issues and with the crowd giving him sticks. He, he got, goes away, he comes back after the break uh, in, in, in sets and uh, is wearing what you can only describe as earmuffs um, uh, to try and cancel out what the crowd are doing. But that backfires horribly. He loses 5-1 and then goes on a bit of a sook. Yeah, I've never seen anything like that before. Uh, we're coming out wearing headphones like that. He had had them approved to wear. Uh, so I guess that's that bit cleared. But 
uh, speaking, it seems Michael Van Gerwen is the protagonist for everything at the moment. He he said as well that he Gerwen had them there, and he said, I bet you don't have the balls to put those on, and he did. So I think he was probably eating a piece of humble pie there. But uh, I feel a bit sorry for Gerwen because he's such he's a really good person. Um, he's a really good person away from the hockey. He's, he's always you know, great to talk to. And lots of this abuse he gets, I feel like it's kind of a bit bandwagon-ish, like in mm. terms of people just jump on just to do it because everyone else does it. But I hope this is not the end of Gerwin Price. I don't think it will be. I think it's just a bit of a overreaction to a frustrating year. How does uh, how does this World Darts Championship rank in, in your list of World Darts Championships in the past, mate? Uh, lots of controversy, but is this, is this one right up there? Uh, to be honest, the opening couple of rounds were, I would describe, below par. I mean, you had you, there were definitely some outliers in there in terms of some great performances. However, as the tournament has kind of progressed and we've kind of seen the big guns going against each other, the standard has really lifted lifted which has been good to see but in terms of overall i probably would say there has been better tournaments and i think there would probably be the general consensus but uh, look the guys like van gerwin he's been he's been outstanding throughout this entire tournament michael smith has improved and it's also been great to see a couple of other guys you know reach certain stages for the first time we had three guys make the quarterfinals for the first time uh a german a german player and a, a belgian player sorry making the semi-finals for the first time so there's been some great moments like that but in terms of overall standard it probably has been a bit below par I think we had Perry hit us up on the temper bed post hex machine he, he was getting on Michael Smith at $7 earlier in the tournament um, Michael Smith is is a $3.40 outsider against Michael Van Gerwen $1.29 is that a fair price? Yeah look I probably would say so Michael Smith has gotten better as the tournament has progressed while Van Gerwen has kind of kept his standard throughout the tournament he hasn't really dropped he's just been going cruising along projecting he's probably playing some of the best starts he's played uh, probably since he won his last world title so i probably would say that as a fair price yeah i would lean in that direction uh we've got aaron walsh who's a mental skills coach coming on after nine uh is that something that you think michael smith has engaged over the last year or two because he's been at the stage before and and not been able to get it done almost famously so uh, michael smith getting to this sort of stage of competitions and, and and not being able to get over the line yeah there's very there's every chance that probably has happened uh, when he made his first final world final when he played van Gerwen. And that he admitted that he was that frustrated, he went and punched the door because he, he was mad with how he was going and he broke his hand. Uh, and he's, he's admitted throughout the tournament when he's been pushed, he still, there have been times where I felt like dropping back into that old, in those old habits, but he hasn't. Uh, he won the, the Grand Slam title last month, which was his first big major title. So he's kind of got that monkey off his back. And he is due to win a world title, whether it's tonight, who knows? Uh, so Palais, we've been talking about the passing of Palais as well. Who is the Palais of, of, of World's Arts? Well, if you're going for like the greatest of all time and starting that discussion, it's definitely Phil Taylor, but you'd have to have a Michael Van Gerwen and would probably be in that conversation. But I don't think you're going to get a player that will win 16 world titles like Phil Taylor did, and that's probably just due to the, the overall standard and the amount of players that are actually able to compete for world titles. Now, I'm not saying that was kind of the same when Phil Taylor was there. You had guys that would compete, but there probably was a lesser pool of players like there is today. 
It's interesting um, how darts has developed because, I mean, you would know, Ben, as you're, you're a darts fan, you host at the Oki here uh, on SENZ. You do a bit of work for a couple of the darts companies outside of that as well. Uh, the popularity of darts, how it's kind of blown up in, what, even the last three, four years, um, it, it seems to have just been growing exponentially. Yeah, look, and it's really good to see. Uh, I don't know if you guys know the figures, but like Sky Sports UK, darts is the second most watched sport there, and it's the same in the Netherlands and Germany. I think they were they were getting, I think, close to two, three million people watching the, the game when they had Gabriel Clemens, the German giant, on. And I think it's a bit the same in Belgium as well. You've got these countries where it's growing. I think COVID kind of halted the impact in terms of growth in Australia and New Zealand, but. At this time of year, you know, lots of people love it and lots of people watch it, and that's kind of when you get more people getting into the sport. But, yeah, the growth is definitely there. When you rock up to the Birkenhead Raza for a Thursday night game or whatever it happens to be, mate, I mean, is, <laughs> it, is it taking you longer to get to the Oki now? Are you noticing more people wanting to compete rather than just you know throw at the pub with mates? Oh, yeah, totally. Look, there, there are definitely people that can have, like, see an opportunity uh, to do well in, in the sport and... Uh, I think COVID really gave people a chance. They kind of had that bit more time to practice at home and kind of thought, well, oh, I can do something here. And there's some really good players coming through the ranks, uh, some really young players as well, uh, not just at Birkenhead, but all, all over the country. So, look, I think New Zealand has definitely got the capabilities of having producing a couple of top-tier players that play on the circuit. I think Ben Robb will probably get there at some stage, but it will probably be a couple of years away. When you go, uh, when you play your darts, are you a beer in hand man or, or are you a sober Steve? Well, I'm a sober Steve, uh, Mitch, because I don't drink at all. Oh, there we go. Are you a serious Steve? Oh, I'm very serious. I, I'm one of I'm one of these guys that gets uh, how do I put this? Very um, angry and upset when I lose. Have you ever Michael Smithed it with a door? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> That's a yes. I'm taking that as a yes. Uh, ben, before we let you go, mate, um, give us a score uh, tonight. Um, Smith Van Gogh and how, what, what happens? I'm going, this is like a heart over head one, uh, or head over heart, whatever way you want to look at it, but I would say 7475 to Michael. Okay, 7475 to Michael. And when's at the Oki back on uh, on the airwaves? Well, you didn't ask me which Michael I'm going for first. Michael Van Gerwen, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is it so? Is it, I'm, I'm, good point. I'm, I'm going to hit over. I'm going to hit over the heart. Like it has to be. I've got a little price update for you there on that one. So if if you are going to go with Ben Francis on that one on the TAB, uh, you can get that price at six dollars on both of those seven four and seven five. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And to answer the last question, Ricardo, I think it's uh, January twenty third. We're back. January 23rd at the Oki is back. Ben, thanks very much, mate. We'll let you go. Uh, we'll let you get the kettle on, make your cup of tea, so you're not going to be having a brew, and uh, and watch the uh, the PDC uh, World Dance Final. Cheers, boys. Have a good one. Yeah, you too, mate. Uh, it is seven away from nine here on SENZ. It is breakfast with Mitch and Ricardo. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. It is coming up a couple of minutes away from 9 o'clock here on SENZ Breakfast with Mitch and Ricardo. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Mitch, uh, the darts. Yes. How, how do you go? Uh, terribly. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yep. No. What do you, why, have you figured out why? Is it a mechanical thing? It has to be it? a mechanical thing. I think uh, the elbow doesn't stay straight under the hand. Is that the technique? Apparently, he's just keeping the elbow still. Still? Yeah, so it doesn't go up or down. It's like level. Oh, used to using my elbow quite quickly. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you know, like this, you mean? 
like yeah, so yeah, similar, you know, action similar, action similar action to that similar action to that yeah yeah <laughs> you yeah, got yeah, it. yeah 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 when you're having a couple of bevies is what yeah, i'm talking about yeah, obviously yeah. one of those actions one of those something like that something like that uh did you have you have they filmed you doing um uh nine data the nine data challenge oh yet? mate it was a shocker yeah like oh, charlie was it. copping it Charlie was copping it, trying to film it. Almost lost the plot. Charlie and our sales team almost walked out of SENZ. He almost left the team. Uh, they were copping it. So it was about four or five takes, and I just said, I think they thought, no, we can't take that. Can't take it. Can't did, take did it. Did you nearly Michael Smith it? Or oh, no, Charlie... I won. Yeah, I won, oh, but it was did. five times in. Five, right. Yeah, so yeah. it's not fair. It's not fair. No, I'm joking. Yeah. I didn't. I, I, my only target was to beat Beeve. Yeah. And who else was I trying to beat? I was trying to beat Kimpy. So I think I got Beeve and Kimpy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well yeah. that's all right. It's so, not bad. But it wasn't on the first try. No, oh, yeah. okay. Mm. I, mean, I was I was filthy because I I did one that they filmed and it wasn't great to be fair. But I'd done one with Ben like about a week before because uh, when we were doing nights on extra time, mm. and I threw three seventy nine on a nine data. Like I had a couple of triple twenties and a and a bullseye and things, and I was just like, oh how good. Didn't film it. It's like ah. I do have a witness, but didn't film it. I was gutted. And then when I did my actual one, I think I threw about 200 under that. It was like, yeah, terrible. Yeah, the pressure, mate. We'll talk pressure after the break with <laughs> with, with Walsh, Aaron Walsh, a uh, man who's been with the Chiefs recently. He's a man who's done all sorts, Mitch. Uh, he's a mental skills coach working with the Scottish rugby team, working with the Chiefs. Uh, he's worked with others as well. So if you've got a question for Aaron Walsh, our next guest, a mental skills coach, get them through to us on double eight double three. I believe uh, Aaron is there now. Good morning, mate. How are you? Yeah, good morning. Thank you. Doing well, thanks. That's the story, mate. We just had uh, Brad Weber on, actually, in the last hour. He was uh, praising your golf game. Said you went pretty well. Oh, I'm all right. I'm all right. Um, yeah, love it, but you know, battle away every now and then. Battle away. Surely you yeah, don't. He's battle. a bit of a. He, nah, he's a bit of a um, dark horse old Spud Webb. He's a very, very solid little golfer. Hole in one, I think at Tiki, the first man to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's shot under par there. So his game is uh, plenty good enough. He, he said he gets a little bit nervous around you on the golf course, feeling like you're you're just quietly sledging him through telepathy. <laughs> Probably not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you've got, to use what you, you've got to use what you can, don't you? Yeah, you do. I mean, you know, as given somebody who does what you do, Aaron, uh, you know, when you are competing with someone else, like you know, playing with guys who are elite athletes at a game of golf, do you use that as a as a mental edge a little bit? You know, I mean, there's a lot of smack talking. I imagine goes on on the tee. Do you do you kind of uh, yeah, nah, look, for, not, look for the not, cracks not, in the really. armor? Yeah, not really. I just sort of try and figure out what I'm trying to do. I've got enough issues going on in my own game to worry about everyone else's. <laughs> oh, bloody good, Walshy. Thanks for joining us this morning, mate. Um, thought it'd be really great. Obviously, leading off the back of Brad, um, he said we asked him a question just around how important it was to have a mental skills coach. He said it should be the first person after the head coach to really basically be be employed by an organisation. Um, he spoke about um, planning and planning guys when they get yep. injured and returning back to full fitness. I had no idea that was part of the, the realm that you guys worked within. Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, what you discover is, you know, these guys, um, as you know, when you were playing, mate, you're pretty dedicated um, to what you're doing. And when you get a major injury, I think the biggest challenge for a lot of athletes is it's sort of a bit of a wake-up call around where their really identity sits. And I think you could probably uh, relate to this, Mitch, like, you know, you see yourself as a human first, but then when you start to get further and further into your sport, you start to get really, really good at it. 
everybody else acknowledges that, then all of a sudden that subtle identity shift can go, I'm valuable if I play well. Mm. You know, I'm a good man if I can perform. Um, and then when that's taken away from you, what do you got left? So I think, you know, as they navigate through, say, a long-term injury or re- return to play, I think sometimes what you're navigating through is more than just the injury, but also what the injury means to how they mentally feel about themselves. Mm. And I think that's probably a really important part of, of getting back on the field. Yeah, I, I guess the other part of that too is, you know, and I don't expect you to talk about uh, individuals per se, but, yeah, yeah. you know, for, for some, I look at it, someone like Sam Kane, right, who um, has had a few injury problems, he's had head knocks, yeah, yeah. his neck, neck and shoulder injuries. I mean, going into contact for him has got to, you know, there's got to be some questions come into his mind when it, when it comes to coming back and going into that serious contact. How do you deal with that sort of thing? Yeah, I think yes and no. Um, yes, I think there's always the first game is going to be a bit of a challenge, like you've got to navigate through that. But I think the rehab now, it does such a good job. It's not like your first bit of contact is in your first game hmm. back. You know, you're like you'll be on your knees, then you'll be. So it's always incremental, the contact. So I think by the time they get to return to play, they should have enough evidence in the tank that you know, my body's okay, I've done all the work that I've required to do, I've passed all the testing, I've gone through all the contact drills. Now I can just go out and play, which sounds great in theory, but there's always, I suppose, that first tackle, first carry, first clean out where you go, okay, well, let's see what we've got here. Well, she, there's always um, a lot of, or there is a lot of chat um, now about mental health and, and that likes of depression and players going through that at certain stages of their career. Is, how do you, in a group environment, is there a way that you can actually pinpoint who looks like they're out of sync? And is that your role to identify and then try and help them with those problems? Um, probably not my role so much. Certainly to identify. I'm not a mental health expert, so we always have resources available. You know, I'm probably more of a performance specialist, but it's a bit like any relationship you have with people that you care about. Um, you're always going to pick up cues, aren't you? Like... And I think that's the whole thing about mental health. Mental health is happening every day. We're always having mental health conversations. So those should continue. I think there's a pretty fine line where you go, okay, now this actually requires someone with a lot of expertise mm. and expertise that I don't possess. Um, but I think the best thing is, like, if you've got good, strong relationships within your environment with the players and with the staff, I think you should be able to um, at least, you know, check in with people and just see what's going on. But um, as we all know... Um, as humans, we're quite good at hiding that sort of stuff, aren't we, to preserve our sense of, um, you know, we're all right, everything's going okay. Now, hopefully those walls are starting to come down more and more. And I guess a lot of players, you know, someone like Michael Hooper this year, right, just going off a tour to look after himself. Well, hopefully that's an awesome example of, you know, that we actually can have mature conversations around this. It's not about being soft or hard, but it's actually about being human and that we are going to take hits from time to time. And, you know, that's a challenge. Uh, in your role, uh, because I guess you, the longer you're with an organisation, the more and more you get used uh, by the players and all that kind of stuff. Do you yeah. do you think there's like there's ever a balancing point that you have come across where players have become too reliant and putting working with you on certain things and not taking like full ownership of like what's actually happening on their own performance? Yeah, I think um, I think you know. Uh, that's certainly a, a possibility, but I think if you're trying to do the job in a way that's beneficial to the players, your ultimate goal is self-sufficiency, not dependency. Mm. 
So like, I don't feel like I'm doing my work well if I create dependent athletes. That means that I'm not giving them the tools that they need to be self-sufficient because, as you know, like I don't travel you know, with the team every week or other things come up. So these guys have got to be able to manage themselves. So my job's to provide, you know, the knowledge, the tools and the support. So they actually become self-sufficient. So if they started seeing me less, I don't see that as a slight, particularly if I've been working with them for a while, I actually see that as all right, good. They're, they're actually got a good understanding of what they need to do. And then they might check in every now and then. It's like you instill those those skills uh, in them that they can kind of self-manage to an extent, Aaron. Um, we did have a text through from Tim who said, you know, you've gone into lots of different sporting environments in your career um, and, you yeah. know, you've, you've covered different types of sports as well. Um, mm. But, you know, what is the most common um, first, I guess, question you have or uh, the, the most common thing that you come across that when you're dealing with athletes for the first time that they want to know about or they want to improve? Well, I think they, they recognise, like, it's an interesting thing, is that, you know, in my work, you know, I probably hear two common themes, which is, hey, um, the first one is it makes a big difference, it makes a big difference to my performance. But the second one's probably the one that will answer your question more. I wish I'd started it earlier. Mm. Mm. So I think there's a there's now a real hunger out there um, for these guys to go. Okay, well, I actually want to do something with this. And you know what's quite refreshing is like I've got a new role the last year or the last actually few months with Scotland. And what was really cool in that environment was like quite a few of the older players engaged. And, you know, you, you know, sort of there's sometimes a bit of a narrative, you know, they know what they're doing, but it's actually the opposite. Like they might have two or three years left in their career. Here's an area that they haven't explored yet. So why don't we go dive deep into this and make the last couple of years of their career the best that they could be because they've, you know, added to their uh, performance repertoire another foundation that helps them. That's, that's really interesting. I guess part, part of that performance repertoire is the ability to deal with pressure. Um, yeah. I guess you've done a lot of, lot of work around dealing with pressure and what pressure is. Yeah. Uh, what's, what's that mean to you, Walshie? Well, I mean, I think once you, there's a couple of things. You've got to identify where pressure is coming from. Hmm. And so I talk about three probably major causes of pressure. And I'm just talking about here in a, in a sporting context. There's obviously different ones in life. But I think you you'd could probably recognise these. Number one is the expectation and the question that, is normally revolving around people's head is a really big question. Am I going to be good enough? Mm. And so that expectation often produces anxiety and worry. And, um, you know, am I going to be able to deliver on what I'm capable of? Um, the second one is judgment. And I reckon the question going around that is, what will people think of me if I'm not good enough? And that's a human side, right? And you know how powerful that is now with, you know, unfortunately, I think at times everybody having a voice through social media, it's mm. not like, you know, 20 years ago where the guy on the Herald wrote the one article about your performance and that was it. Yeah, that's now so you've true. got every, mm. every man and his dog's got an opinion on your performance. So judgment's real. And then the third one is consequence. So that being what will happen to me if I'm not good enough. And that might be about selection. And then, you know, that sort of boils down and begins to roll. Like if I'm not selected, I might not get a contract. If I don't get a contract, how am I going to make my money? If I don't make my money, I might not you know, about to buy the house or pay the mortgage. And all of a sudden you're going out to play thinking about whether you're going to be able to hold on to your house or not, which is a terrible mental state to be able to, to try and deliver from. Um, so to me, they're the, probably the three main ones, Mitch. And then 
obviously once you've identified what ones people relate to, and there's normally a combo of everything, it's then coming up with different tools to help them navigate when those things arise, not not trying to avoid it, not trying to push it to the side, but actually embracing it and saying, yeah, I am feeling anxious around expectation, okay? Well, how do I deal with that? Well, you know, one of the, the phrases I like to use is action is a great antidote to anxiety. So what actions am I going to take this week to make sure when I hop off the bus on a sad day, I'm confident, I'm calm, and I'm clear, and I'm ready to go? And then you sort of build your week back from there. So it would be an example of how we begin to put the tools into play. Oh, that's that's good, and I guess I guess for people listening um, on the radio, if they they're coming back from Saturday sport with their with their son or their daughter uh, doing the old debrief um, <laughs> with their kids, you know, everyone's <laughs> been through that before. Uh, you know, what kind of things can parents help with, or or understand that they maybe shouldn't touch on, or they should touch on with their kids? I reckon the best thing to do is to ask your kid. Like, I've got a thirteen-year-old son who is an absolute cricket nut, like plays it on PlayStation, why he's watching test matches from 10 years ago and thinking about batting. Like, he just loves it. <laughs> Love it. And just, abs- you know, just obsessed. And I asked him one day, hey, mate, when I'm at the game, what do you want me to say? And he said, I just want you to clap when I hit really good shots. Yeah. I was like, sweet, that's my role. <laughs> yeah, done. Like, they know. They know what they want from you. It's, it's when we, when, I think what happens, mate, is we sit, a lot of people sit with the other parents it's little Johnny out there, and they actually have their ego attached to the ability of their children to perform. It's, and it's so sad, mm. but they want their kid to be the best, or they want their kid to be better than, you know, Ricky's kid, or you know, or Frank's kid, or you know, like it's just a. I think it's driven, and then when they don't perform, unfortunately, that horrible car ride home becomes the place the parent vents their own frustration. And I just think, I don't, I don't know if you ask any kid, is that what they want? Mm. Yeah, I, it definitely wouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what, about, what about the next step on from that then? Say, you know, you've got a kid yeah. who, who's uh, who, who's got to that next level and, you know, can perform in front of parents and, uh, and a few spectators and things, but they get to that next level uh, where they might be playing in front of cameras and in front of media. Um, how do you prepare yeah. them for that? Um, it's a good question. I think you have to acknowledge it's going to feel different. Like, I think sometimes... I remember when we were working back in baseball and there was a World Series um, and, you know, the players, some of the players, I'm just going to treat it like another game. And they got into the first game of the World Series like, this is not like any game I've ever played. Mm. And so I reckon the key is to acknowledge the um, situation or to acknowledge the occasion, like actually embrace like, hey, this is going to feel different, but I have a process or I have some tools or I have some ways of dealing with that rather than getting shocked when it arrives and go, man, I didn't think I would feel overwhelmed. Well, have you ever played in front of 30,000 people? No, you haven't. It's gonna, you, you can't prepare for that, but you can acknowledge it hmm. and then go into the things that you do well and be, become quite comfortable with that after a while. That makes, um, I, I guess, your job, what you do, that, that's where you've got a plan because everybody's different. You know, you hear about it from coaches as well where they go into a dressing room and they go, you identify there are guys that need an arm around them to get the best out of them and there are guys that yep. need a rocket up them that need to, to, to get the best out of them. I mean, how much of that is yep. your gig as well and then helping the coaches identify how to deal with people? Oh, massive, massive. I mean, ultimately, the point of coaching is to maximise the capability of the person you have in front of you, right? Mm. And in order to do that, you have to understand what makes that person tick and also what makes them good and so you know like a way of doing this is like 
you know, and I've appreciated a lot of the coaches I've worked with in the last few years, they were been very focused on their strengths. So, you know, like we talk about belief, imagine having belief, trying to develop authentic belief and all you hear from your coach is everything you do wrong. Mm. This doesn't work, right? So the coaches need to understand, and like it's particularly head coaches, and I've been honestly blessed to have some, some really good head coaches I've worked with, and I always remind them, you know, at the end of the day when they're lying in bed at night, it's the conversation that they have with you that they'll play on repeat. So what do you want that conversation to be? That's a really good point. Um, on that, I guess, who, who throughout your career have you enjoyed working with the most? Jeez, what a great question. Um, you know, someone that I, and, and you'll probably appreciate this, Mitch, someone I really enjoyed working with was Mark O'Donnell. Yeah. And he's different, like he's mod, but I just love the way he went about his business and a really relaxed, he respected the player's ability to function. You know, like he wouldn't, he wouldn't be overbearing. Um, he gave them room, but also at the same time, if guys weren't performing, he would do it in a way which was clear and direct, but also had a, a lot of a lot of empathy attached. Um, and also, I mean, you know, I'm working, you know, with the Chiefs now. And I just, I've really enjoyed working alongside someone like Clayton McMillan, who just has the ability to really connect with the group and take them on a journey somewhere, which I think is a really important quality. I'd like to be able to go collectively. This is what we're going to do together. And this is how we're going to do it. So that's a, probably a couple that, um, you know, come off the top of my mind. But, you know, Mod in particular was just, I just love the way that he went about his business. Yeah, he's a, he's a great man. He was a great influence on my career as well there, Walshie. Um, thank you very yeah. much for your time today, mate. That's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Uh, we've had lots of questions coming through. We're not going to get to them just now. But, mate, um, wish you all the best with Scottish rugby. Hopefully they don't uh, yeah. upset the All Blacks at the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> And, and Jeez, isn't that a tough one? I, I mean, we played them at Murrayfield the other week, and I um, I got interviewed, and they said, "Oh, you know, how do you feel about it?" So oh, I'm Scottish that week. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we know if we do so, lose, so, it's your fault. Yeah, I mean, the All Blacks are always going to be a team I love and support, and you know, obviously work with quite a few of them. Um, but just for one game a year, I might, you know, have my um, allegiances go another way. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, mate, you won't be able to return back to Tauranga, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't be a bad problem. <laughs> that wouldn't be a bad problem at all, Aaron. Hey, good stuff, mate. Thanks very much for coming on. Yep. Uh, go well and uh, enjoy the rest of your summer, eh? Appreciate it. Have a good summer. Yeah, you too, man. You too. Aaron Walsh here with us, mental skills coach with the Chiefs and with Scottish rugby as well. Worked with the Texas Rangers too. He's done uh, so much in his career. It is 22 past nine here on Breakfast with Mitch. And Ricardo, thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. To the Chemist Warehouse, great savings every day. Now, normally we do a TAB spot here, but Pauline Mawadi is obviously uh, still enjoying a corona or three on a beach somewhere cares. But you've got something for us. Yeah, I just, uh, this is actually something that me and Mitch have been uh, discussing over the past uh, year actually is how betters or, or punters will sometimes take out their frustration on the opponent. I mean, you mm. just uh, you just mentioned that you've got a, a football multi going on right now, so I wouldn't be surprised if, say, if Casemiro lets in a slipper and, and United draw with Bournemouth, you'll, you'll send him a nice, lovely voice note. <laughs> hey, this uh, better over in the States, and this is a question that I have for you, Mitch, is 
Paolo Banquero in the NBA. He's a rookie. He plays for the Magic. Uh, he scored four points, a whopping four points. And I think the uh, the unders overs for him last night was twenty one and a half. Uh, some better obviously took overs on him uh, and pulled out a four point performance. And he ripped him apart with a fifty second voice note. And look, Rick, I've I've had a go at bleeping it, but I'm I'm honestly not going to play it because it's like it would just sound like we've gone off air or something because it would just be a bleep for about fifty seconds. But what I had for you, Mitch, is you've obviously played uh, lots of different circuits all around the world, and there's obviously plenty of markets, uh, no matter where you find them, especially on the TAB, Gamble Responsibly R18. Uh, Did did you ever take any slack from from an unhappy punter at all? You you cop quite a bit, like, from passionate fans on Twitter. Mm. Um, You get that quite a bit if you you go real bad. But betting-wise, I actually got quite a few DMs when I played the last game I played in the Big Bash. Um, and it was the last game I played in Big Bash for a reason. I think I went for like 20 in and over. <laughs> and we ended up losing by maybe like two balls or something like that. Um, so I had a bit of a stinker. Actually, umpire didn't help me out. Had uh, Bo Webster, who's playing for the Stars now, plumb in front. Um, didn't give him out. And he hit me for two sixes after that. Yeah, real stiffer. Uh, but yeah, I had about four or five uh, people who had money on us to win and qualify for the playoffs uh. and just out and out barrage of abuse. And I was like, <laughs> oh, well, okay, fair enough. But I'd, I just got back to them. I said, oh, mate, don't, don't bet what you can't afford. <laughs> was, that the, was that the birth of Mitch Savage? Uh, yeah, well, that was, I think that was the biting incident. But uh, yeah, that's, that's part of it. You've got to go back at them, eh? That's one thing Ross Ross Taylor told me when I went to England. They said if you don't give the fans uh, any recognition yeah. uh, when they're going at you in the in the outfield, they just keep on coming and it doesn't stop. Right. So, so you've got to single out the guy and make him feel like a dick. So <laughs> you got to like embarrass him in front of his it's, friends. It's so right. yeah, that's that's the old play. That's the old play. One of the best I think I've ever seen of that, and it wasn't a spray that uh, that got back at the fan. It was um, it was a game between United and Liverpool at Anfield. And every time Phil Neville was playing left back for United, and every time he went to take the ball for a throw, and you were so close, there was this group of about four or five fans who were just giving him the finger and yelling abuse at him. And, like, you know, they're, they're literally two feet away from him doing it. And it's happened throughout the first half. Towards the end of the first half, there was a ball that needed clearing that had come there, and he just ran onto it. And he could have just knocked it over, but he absolutely leathered it straight <laughs> into these guys as Love hard it. as he could Love from it. about three feet. Boy, they weren't happy, but they, they're quietened down in the second half. That's bloody gold. Oh, I love that. Love that. It is uh, 29 away from 10 o'clock here on SENZ Breakfast with Mitch and Ricardo. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Time for news and sport now with Johnny. Thanks to Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. It's 33 minutes past nine here on SENZ. Mitch and Ricardo and uh, Rick, you just gave me the evilest look I've ever seen you give. <laughs> seen me give because uh, obviously that is a Christmas song. Yeah. But Cristiano Ronaldo is the gift that keeps on giving, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I swear, Rick, uh, we've been talking about Ronaldo all week, and, uh, and and Tim sent through a text there on double eight double three. Do you just want to deal with that one quickly, Rick? Uh, yeah, hey, that's not quite that easy with financial fair play rules, Kez, is what Tim said when you talked about why Newcastle didn't just sign him outright. 
Yeah, so for those of you who didn't hear the uh, the 8.30 headlines, Cristiano Ronaldo, who does have a clause in his contract with Al Nasser in Saudi Arabia, who also own Newcastle United in the Premier League, that if Newcastle qualify for the Champions League, there is a clause in Ronaldo's Al Nasser contract that will allow him to go on loan to Newcastle to play Champions League. I get what you're saying, Tim. And it is unfair, uh, just not by the financial fair play uh, standards. Boys, these headlines brought to you by Gull, fueling your mission all year round. I just thought we'd have a little look uh, before I pass it back to you boys. Around the grounds, obviously the ASB Classic in full effect, just down the road from us here. Uh, quite lucky, we've seen a few legends take the court, like the, the legend sitting right next to me, Joey Bezos, uh, heading, heading down to the Classic over the few times. Ricky or Mitch, are you planning on checking out any of the tennis today? Oh, do I, do I get an invite? Are we invited? No, oh, well, Are you gonna Izzy, Izzy's, got a, Izzy's gonna got a corporate, doesn't he? Surely yeah. you can just flick him a message and so, ask him. So what's that corporate corporate deal, uh, you know, texting in, in tennis to the temper bedpost text machine? Yeah. Uh, double eight, double three. Was that to choose between Ricardo and Kempe or yep. Izzy and Daisy? Pretty much, yeah. So, Was yeah, that Rick, it? when's that happening? Uh, the Izzy Daisy one, I'm not sure. Yeah. But uh, me and Kempe are supposed to be the 11th. When's that? It's next Wednesday. Oh, yeah? I'll go with that if you've got yeah. a spare spot. Yeah, Do you know right. who you got? Uh, Kempe. No, <laughs> who your guests are, no, mate. No idea. No idea. No, I, haven't, no. I haven't delved into the emails that deeply, mate, so no, I'm not no, sure no. yet. I'm Just not show sure. up. I bet you'll be disappointed when you see my face uh, crash the box. Uh, in the classic today. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. Uh, to round of 16 action today. Uh, Centre court. Boys, these are the two big ones for me. Layla Fernandez versus Julia Graber at 12.30 on the centre court. And then uh, obviously returning, Stephen McIver's favourite, Venus Williams against Zulin at 1.45pm once again on the centre court. But that is not all we're going to see from Layla Fernandez today as she uh, is teaming up in the doubles as well with her partner, Bethany Matic-Sands. That is at 4pm on court one as well. Rick, before I chuck it back to you, mate... Mm. We saw what happened with my Liverpool yesterday. Yeah. Uh, obviously going down to Brentford. You've got Bournemouth, and it's uh, 10 minutes till half time. So, 36th minute, United find themselves 1 0 up through Kaisamiro against Bournemouth. Yeah. At Old Trafford, are you, uh, are you confident in your United getting up? Yeah. Yeah, I am. Um, I mean, Bournemouth are a plucky side, and they the thing that they do is well, they. So is Brentford, Rick. Yeah, well, yeah, they, but they're pluckier at home. Um, and Brentford are on the road. Um, and I think that you know Brentford. The th- one thing that they do is they sit really deep, uh, and we've seen the way that uh, Eric Ten Hag has set United up to counter that. He hasn't gone with his traditional winger that he normally does. He normally plays you know Rashford as a wide forward on one side, and then Anthony or uh, Alanga or Garancho on the other side as out and out wingers. He's actually brought in. Um, Bruno Fernandes onto the left and then he's playing in the 10 role um, another more of a midfield playmaker so because they sit deep you can't get him behind them so you need to be able to pass through them and uh, so he's he's brought in Donny van der Beek um, so that they Finally. can they can try and, and and actually play through them rather than just get behind them with pace. So I think uh, tactically he's done the right thing. No, I think he has too, and I think uh, as well while we're at it, Rick, we better start speaking some more English for Mitch to understand. <laughs> yeah. a football chat I was there. just looking at Harry Maguire and I thought he was a little bit of a resemblance between Joe Bell. Oh, Joe Bell and Harry McGuire. Harry McGuire. Joey, do you see it in yourself? That's so mean. <laughs> so, <laughs> to who? So, uh, <laughs> that's such a good question. I just think because it's hot boy summer, I'm going to say to me. Okay. Um, 
But I, I but, 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 no, sorry, it's because I'm on a roll. But no, I've got, I've got a, I've got a fat forehead, so yeah. I'm really uh, insecure about it. And people say it all the time. And people used to pretend that my uh, head was a football. So I don't like the comparison, but I yeah. do understand it. Yeah. Okay. Well, Mitch, I don't know if you get that, but uh, you know what Harry Maguire's nickname is amongst football fans in the UK? What is it? Slabhead. <laughs> so he's Joey. Sorry, I didn't even know that, Joey. Yeah, sorry, sorry, do, do we have an HR department? <laughs> <laughs> well, I get put on probation every couple of weeks anyway. Yeah, just just keep you on your toes. It is uh, 21 away from 10 o'clock here on SENZ Breakfast with Mitch Ricardo. We've got a couple of texts as well. We were asking our, our question of the day was who is stealing a living in sport? We've had a few uh, suggested, every All Black bench player, uh, Bolty and Guppy in the bench. BBL, Ian Foster is the All Blacks coach. Uh, this one has just come through as well. Sean Johnson, um, Warriors fans, uh, will you agree or disagree with that? Oh, yeah, Jeez, he's always on pretty good cash, eh? Yeah. Um, he's he's that one guy, eh? Like, I, I just thought they had the world of talent and, and just hasn't got that, that premiership. And that's probably the frustrating part for most fans. You, you, he's got enough skill to win an NRL title yeah. just seems to go missing in those big moments so that I can understand the frustration with that and the feelings behind him stealing a living uh, definitely we also got another uh, text in from Jared said hey fellas like the interview with Mr Walsh sure makes a lot of sense with his approach to the mental coaching uh, well he says that we're doing a good job that's good Ricardo uh, cheers cheers, Jared thanks for that mate if you guys want to follow Walshy on uh, Twitter it's just Aaron Walsh um, NZ so at Aaron Walsh NZ that's A-A-R-O-N Walsh NZ uh, good follow he's worked with some good people yeah, indeed, interesting bloke, uh, great chat he was too. It is 20 away from 10 here on SENZ. When we come back, we're talking sneakers. This is SENZ, it is Mitch and Ricardo for breakfast. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse, great savings every day. Look, if you uh, want to get back to school, get back to school hustle at Foot Locker. Foot Locker has you covered for back to school. And uh, Big Dave from Foot Locker is joining us to talk kicks. G'day Dave, how are you? Yeah, I'm all good, thanks, my man. How you doing, brother? Yeah, good, man. Good, good. Uh, when it comes to uh, comes to kicks, I mean, you obviously are, are a fan. You're a collector. You're a, uh, a connoisseur, shall we say, of sneakers. Uh, what are you looking for uh, when a when a, when a new range comes out? Well, man, I, I don't know if I'm a connoisseur or anything. I think it's just that uh, sneaker tragic, to be honest, man. So uh, <laughs> appreciate the love on that one. Uh, when it comes to um, footwear, of course, we just have to try to look for anything that's uh, more versatile, especially if you're going to school, right? So, you know, I know the parents love looking at the, um, you know, the bare basics and all that kind of stuff, but you've got to look for stuff that potentially will last because you've got to remember the kids are just going to thrash it. So a lot of the ones that are um, really out there, man, I like looking for something that's, of course, my favourite colour, and I think it's the uh, Kiwi's favourite colour, is triple black. Mm. You can't go wrong with a triple black sneaker. Um, and what's really cool at the moment um, especially for us, and we were pretty blessed with it. It's actually the Nike TN, which is really cool, and a black metallic uh, or, or triple black, which is really good. But the one that you have to have, the one you've got to look for, Air Force One. You can't go wrong with that little bad boy. So um, that's probably the one that I kind of really look for. It's really iconic. Um, they have a pretty thick sole on it, pretty sturdy upper. So you know, a little bit, they're not bulletproof. Um, but don't get me wrong, they're, they're a pretty uh, cool shoe. Plus, the kid will look cool too. So are they barter bulletproof? That's the question. That's how old I am. Oh, barter bulletproof. Man, I know what you're talking about there. Nothing's barter bulletproof. All right, let's just be honest with that. Um, 
they're probably going to have the same heat factor from that age group. Uh, but um, they're pretty solid. Some of those Air Force Ones, eh? They they can go up in value, in fact, can't they? Mm. Oh, they can indeed. You can get some ones um, that you know, especially some cool colorways, uh, some cool fabrics on them. And if they're sought after, if they're like a collab, they can go for ridiculous prices. Um, but you know, when it all comes down to it, everybody just wants a triple black or a triple white. Let's be honest. You know what I mean? Like if Drake can wear it every day, then why can't we? Yeah, 100%, 100%. Although you don't want the Drake curse. I mean, if, if he backs something, it's going to fall over, right? Oh, Is it harsh? Yeah, it would harsh be, actually. That's, that, you know, that's, that's facts, but, you know, I don't, really, <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to put that out there, you know. Much love to him. Much love to him. Hey, um, uh, we, when we uh, were going to get you on, I thought I'd, I'd better look up a couple of things that I own or have owned. And I and I remembered I had these Nike SB Dunk uh, mid Mid cuts, and they did a um, a, a November rain Guns and Roses version, and they were kind of like a black grey maroon with the strap over the top. But the inlay, uh, the inner sole was actually, uh, you know, from November rain. It was the it was the bride from the video lying there, like in state in a coffin, holding roses to her chest. Um, wow! I I had those. I actually gave them to a mate because I never wore them. I just had them in the cupboard, and I just gave them to a mate. I've just looked them up. Online, a second-hand pair going for three hundred and sixty Australian now. Yeah, man. Anything if oh, you're a very, very friendly person by giving those away. <laughs> um, yeah, SB was pretty much um, like SB Dunks was really where they they kind of really made Dunks really cool. Anything with a kind of a collab, um, which is huge. But man, I think the one that stands out for me the most back in the day would be the Heineken. Heineken one, which is of course um, you know, an alcohol uh, kind of colorway on it, but those were second. Uh, for you to be able to get those away, you're a very, very nice man. Say that. Bet you your friend is loving you right now. Hundred <laughs> percent. What what are you wearing at the moment, bro? I've got the old uh, bare feet on. Uh, Rick's got a black and white number. Uh, what uh, what are you rocking? What I'm rocking at the moment, I'm. It's pretty early in the morning, right? So this is really weird that I'm actually wearing sneakers right now. So, but, you know, much love. I'm actually wearing some uh, Jordan 1 black-red lows. Oh, they're a classic. They're a classic. Yeah. Hey, uh, Dave, I've got to ask you, because I know we're calling you in Brisbane, but are you? But where are you based? Yeah, based in Brisbane. So we're based in um, a place called Murray, which is pretty much kind of like east of Brisbane stuff, I think, so... Yeah, because I don't know if you know him. I, I, when it comes to uh, people who know their sneakers, there's a guy in New Zealand uh, who goes by the DJ name DJ Severe. I don't. Do you know Phil? Oh. Phil Bell. Oh man, yeah, absolutely. But who doesn't know Severe? Like seriously, if you're, you're not a kid, you don't know who this guy is. Yeah, I do know him, man. Um, I've actually had the privilege of actually uh, selling to do some shoes when I was back in NZ when I was working for the Stripes. Um, back in the Mighty Cow and also working in uh, Queen Street there. So I've actually sold him some shoes. Um, absolute Jordan freak. He is. I think I think he probably nearly has every single Jordan around. I could be wrong. Uh, he, he was also used to buy the larger size than the women's colorways because he was lucky enough to be able to fit those. So he was even jumping on all that kind of stuff. So, man... He's he's an absolute fanatic, and he's even been to the US, and yeah, that's where he used to get a lot of his Jordans. We used to jump over there when he did his trip. Yeah, um, he's so, he's yeah, got to have a couple of He's got to have a couple of hundred pairs of Jordans, right? His oh, collection. I think you need to go a little bit. I think you need to go a little bit higher than that, to be honest. 
Wow. Is that actually he's, a been ge- he's been collecting for a while. <laughs> is that actually a genuine option for the fellas with the smaller feet to, to go the women's colourways? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the, the way to look at it, like it's uh, the woman's size, like so if you're a, a men's nine, you would have to go for probably like a woman's 10, 10 and a half, 11. That's perfect because the thing is, some of the women's colourways that are coming out at the moment are unreal. And like I'm filthy, I can't fit into those. Um, but man, some of the colours are unreal and massive option if you do because that then opens up your double your colour weights. So yeah, yeah. So, if I uh, could, I would. Yeah, if you could, you would. Well, you know, I'm uh, I don't do the colourway. I'm just looking on the um, Under Armour website, and they've got the unisex curry one, sweet then uh, sour then sweet green and red. Uh, looks yeah, like, looks cell like, patch. Yeah, that, um, yeah. That, that's ugly for me. I wouldn't wear that. I, I just go the oh. black the black on blacks. But I mean, how popular <laughs> is that, uh, are those now? Huge. Um, the thing with curry, he is, his kind of signature footwear is unreal. So his performance ones that are coming out right now, uh, like he's at the curry 10, which is huge. The curry one, which is also going back to the retros and stuff like that, they're really cool because anything retro is, is, is on point. The thing with Curry, he has cool stories with it. So that colorway that you're looking at, it's called the Sour Patch, which is actually based off the Sour Patch lollies. And right. he's actually a fan of those. So of course he's a fan of those. That's why they've done that colorway in that. Yeah. But uh, the, the retro Currys are really cool at the moment because he is actually on fire and a lot of people are just sought after him. Yeah, no, I've got, I've, I've got a few of his, a few of the rocks. I've got the eye, the Iron Paradise. I like my underarmers because they're nice and nice and wide fit for uh, my fat foot. Hey, Dave, thanks very much for getting up early for us in Brisbane, man. Go well. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Much love, guys. Thank you. Cheers. Uh, there we go. Big Dave from Foot Locker. Heading back to school and back to the hustle. Head to Foot Locker for the freshest sneakers. It's back to school and back to hustle. Keep your game fresh with Foot Locker. It is a minute and a half away from 10 o'clock here on SENZ. It is Mitch and Ricardo for breakfast. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Our uh, must uh, our can't wait, I should say, question of the day earlier on the show was who is stealing a living when it comes to sport? And uh, we've been asking for your texts on the Temper Bedpost text machine, double eight, double three. Mitch, we've got a couple through. Yeah, I was just thinking, actually, mate, you can take it literally. If you know anyone yeah. out there, any athletes who have actually stolen stuff, then yeah. that, that you're obviously a bit of a fraud, but it's stealing for a living. Yeah. Um, I found one just trawling through some pages, and yeah. I found a guy called Trent Campbell who used to play for the ECHL Hockey League uh, in the States. He was arrested in Florida for allegedly stealing a taxi cab. <laughs> Obviously, he didn't have the cash to, to pay for it on night out. Saw an opportunity, drove himself home. So, yeah, he, at the time, he was the leading scorer for the South Carolina Stingrays in the Sunshine State. So, yeah, classic. Yeah, that's a classic. So keep those coming through. Who is stealing a living in sport, you reckon? Oh, uh, double eight, double three is the temper bedpost text machine. Double eight, double three. We want to hear from you. We're going to talk cricket in the next hour. We're going to talk NFL as well. Uh, we'll talk a little bit of football and anything else you want to hit as well, you can get us on the Kennards Hire phone line 0800 150 811. Time now for news with Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. Here's Johnny.
It is four past ten here on SENZ Breakfast with Mitch and Ricardo, thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Mark Morrison there and uh, Return of the Mac. Uh, it's a bit of a throwback to the 90s, that one, isn't it, Mitch? It is, mate. Return of the Mac. Yep, yeah, that's, uh, that's me for Summer Radio. There you go. Actually, there was a story about how Mark Morrison... Uh, spotted uh, a female fan in the street in London, uh, caught in a downpour, and he gave her his raincoat um, to, so she'd get home nice and dry, and she said that she was definitely going to get it back to him. Uh, last heard I heard, though, he's still awaiting the return of the Mac. So uh, that is probably one of the worst dad jokes you'll ever hear. But there you go. I had to throw it out there. You tried. I tried. Yep. Tried to deliver it. Tried everyone to deliver loves it. a try. <laughs> That's right. Well, not everyone. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, Kiers. Kiers has got something for Rick, us. Rick, I just thought... I'd, I'd ask you about this one because mm. you just said their little flashback, Return yeah. of the Mac. Yeah. Uh, we got a big scare with Big Dave from Foot Locker there. Mm. He, uh, he, you, you were speaking about the Steph Currys. Yeah. Steph Curry's first shoe came out in 2015. Mm. You guys had a good chat about retro Currys yeah. that came out. Yeah. That made me feel quite old because Curry's <laughs> only came out yesterday. How does it, well, I'm just wondering, how does it make it a retro show if it's just come out? Yeah, that, well, that's re- re- 2015. When's that? That's, what, eight years ago now? Oh, it actually is too. Yeah. I thought it was way closer. All right, no, yeah, no, don't yeah, worry. Yeah, then it yeah. is retro. Yeah, somebody actually put it up on uh, something on, on social media the other day saying that 2013 is now 10 years ago. Don't tell me that. And I'm like, that is crazy. That is crazy. <laughs> uh, anyway, we uh, have been asking uh, throughout the show, Mitch, about people who are stealing a living from sport. It was our can't wait question of the day. We've had a few through. Sean Johnson, Ian Foster, the All Blacks bench amongst them. Um, a couple of your former teammates got got fingered as well. <laughs> I hope they didn't get fingered. Uh, but they definitely got brought up on the text machine, the Temper Bedpost text machine. Um, Grant has texted through and said Jake Paul would have to possibly be top of the list, stealing a living. Uh, I think he's a top 50 of all-time earnings in boxing um, after being a YouTuber. Mm. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, Grant goes on to say, yeah, he must just be smart, I guess. Um, he has has brought that whole group over from YouTube, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. Um, you know, he's making some money. Uh, now, Eddie Hearn's on his bandwagon as well, saying that, oh, yeah, he's improving all the time. He knows where his uh, bread's buttered, eh? Yeah, 100%. Eddie Hearn, if he, if, if it thinks looks like it's going to make money, he's all over it, mate. All over it. He is. And Mikey's also texted in. He said, um, lad, stealing for the team, all the Warriors players <laughs> who play for a bit but never play out their contracts. Yeah, I agree with that, actually. Yeah. That's a really, really good one there, Mikey. Uh, yeah, last one to go, obviously... Um, Murdoch Masilla's gone, oh, Reese Walsh. Yep. Um, yeah, and he goes on to say that they're stealing the dreams of all the amazing loyal Warriors fans. So Yeah, I mean, the Ben Murdoch Masilla, I think, was a bit different because he was, I mean, honey, and he played 21 of 54 games he was available for. So mm. I think it was more the Warriors weren't going to give him an extension and the Dragons were offering him three years. So the Warriors went, oh, you know, off you go then. But yeah, Reese Walsh, Ewan Aitken was another one that was really disappointing. Oh, I don't want to live in New Zealand. Mate, how do you know? You've never lived here. Um, and you were in Australia every second week anyway. Matt Lodge. Matt Jeez, Lodge. that pissed me off more than anything, uh, yeah, actually. Well, well, to be fair, I didn't want the club to sign him. After his, his history, I was just like, yeah. how can you sign that bloke with a clear conscience? Uh, this is a club that's supposed to have a no-dickhead policy, and you're signing the king of the dickheads. <laughs> yeah, I know. But when you saw him and Adam Fanua Blake um, lined up next to get each other when they were on the field, the Warriors actually started going forward. Yeah, they did. Um, so, you know, that called mid-season to bugger off. It was pretty tough for all Warriors fans, I'm sure. Yeah, not a great bloke, absolutely, but for performance-wise, he was. So, 
Yeah, Reese Walsh. It still grinds me, eh? Yeah, although I see... Mind you, he's not going to play this year, mate. No, well, Tony Staggs will play ahead of him, right? No, he'll he'll play centre. No, um, Ezra Mann. Oh, Ezra Mann. Yeah, so he's going to... I think he's going to start at the back. Um, So it doesn't look like he's... He's probably like the second or third fullback. And that's funny because considering he was picked in origin, he he might play at 14... He might play a 14 off the bench, yeah. be more of an impact type player. But, yeah, it doesn't sound like he's going to start this year. Well, see, he's already been in a bit of trouble as well. He's gotten into a, an altercation in a nightclub with um, David Fafita from the Titans. Shock. Shock me. Yeah. Shock me. So might be, actually, I mean, as much as Warriors fans were gutted to see him go, it might be a bullet dodged. Oh, I just thought, I just thought even the whole thing where you knew he was shopping himself around to the other clubs and and you knew all that kind of stuff. I just, I just the fact that he hadn't shown loyalty to the Warriors after that cocaine debacle. Yeah, um, I thought you know when a club helps you with that kind of stuff, um, I really feel like you owe them a little bit more than he's shown. Um, so I really hope the Warriors fire up if he does line up against them. I really do. Come off the back fence. Come off the back fence. Absolutely smash him. Oh, bro. I'd love to see it. How good. How good would it be? But keep those texts coming through. Double eight, double three. Who's uh, stealing a living in the world of sport? We want to continue to hear from you. Uh, tell you uh, who uh, isn't stealing a living, and that is Matt Henry. Uh, man, he went good with a bat. So did AJS Patel, to be fair. 68 and 35 from your 10 and 11 in Pakistan. That's not a bad effort. No, beautiful. It's actually, it's, well... It's one of those tough ones, eh? Like you feel like his his living's almost been stolen from him. Mm. Always been behind Southy in the test rank and the test side, right? Only playing that one opening opening right arm bowler. Uh, he's he was phenomenal with the bat. Uh, we were talking about it before, and it's not something that we don't see at domestic cricket cricket for Matt Henry. He uh, he can hit a ball, uh, but he hits on pace. So like the Pakistan guys obviously haven't done their research on the lower order because that's probably not what they do at a bowling meeting. Yeah. But on the circuit around New Zealand, you're either going really full and you're going really slow. Quick bouncer, yeah. good, but you just bowl slower balls to him and try and take him wider and wider because he's got that baseball swing. So anything like above the stumps or on the stumps, um, you know, is, is just in his arc, that flat swing, that flat baseball swing, he's just got that arc to the leg side. Anything wider and slower really struggles with. So they just fed him up his, uh, his gimmies, his bread and butter. And it's actually, in fact, he's one of, one of the better strikers at hitting length in, in New Zealand cricket. Would you – you said wider – and slower. What about on the stumps and slower? I mean, is he is he a candidate for a clean bowl or an LB? Yeah, he can be. He he does have that like he's got that one motion swing. Um, but the wider you go, the more he he's only ever going across the ball. Doesn't look offside. Yeah, right. So like you can get him to hit that ball straight up. Well, now we've been talking about it, but you should hear it because we do have coverage here on SENZ of this test. Uh, Daniel McCarty leading a cool team, uh, including Richard Petrie and others. Here are the highlights from SENZ of day two of the second test in Karachi. Here we have uh, Hamza, left arm quick from over the wicket bowling, the first ball of the day, and Blundell's right in behind, and he defends uh, up the pitch. Bounds in again, and what a beauty hit in the top of off stump. Steep bounce past the outside edge. That is glorious fast bowling. No shame as Shodi. There's a lot of better players around who would have had no chance either. Sodi gone for 11. 309 for the loss of seven. Wow. Here's a big shot for RBW. On a round off stump. Maybe high. Umpire Wharf keeps the finger down. Here's Southie taking a, a pace down the wicket and then uh, playing a defensive stroke, opening the blade a little bit, and it's going to rush away to the third man 
fence for the first boundary of the day. A drive square of the wicket, just opening the face a little bit, just wide outside the off stump from the seam, and Blundell cashes in with his first boundary of the morning. A lovely shot, 320 for seven. Spin into the attack, it's a bra, the leg spinner, and that's surprising to me because he bowled a lot of this on day number one, short and wide outside of off stump, and Blundell goes back and plunders him through extra cover, nicely put away. Here's a big shout for LBW, maybe just outside the line of off stump. No, the finger goes up. It was more Hassan Ali who was pleading with umpire Wharf. Saudi has reviewed. No, this is going over. Great review from Tim Southey. He's a drive and a handsome one to the onside to Midon, who is very deep. They can walk through for a single. That will take Tom Blundell to his eighth test match half century. He's 50 not out of 103 balls. He's gone on to make 300s as well. Got an average approaching the mid-40s. He really is a fine test player. 338 for the loss of seven. Well played, Tom Blundell. We oh, see yeah. Abra has bowled Blundell. The ball kept low. That'll be a worrying sign for the New Zealand batsman. Here's uh, Henry just uh, chancing his arm and pulling the ball away to the mid-wicket boundary. Not perfectly timed, but his intentions are good. And the result is uh, a boundary for Henry. 344 for eight. Here's uh, Saudi down the pitch. The bales have been removed for a stumping. I thought that Saudi might have got back here. Very Still close. That's in the air when the, th- when the uh, stumps are broken. Satisfied. Excellent stumping. He'll be given out. Henry trying to hit one through the offside and has done so brilliantly. It flies away. Awkward looking stroke. The left leg was outside of leg stump. It was all hands and eye coordination. And it's flowing away to the fence. 349 for the loss of nine. Hits it very well. Back-to-back boundaries for Matt Henry. He races to 12. The 350 is up for New Zealand. 353 for the loss of nine. That was in the slot. And he latched onto it. Henry waits. It's a short one. He pulls powerfully over forward. Square leg. Forward six. Cracking drive. Wide mid-off from Henry. Delicious. 365 for nine. He's up to 24. Nazim Shah over the wicket of the right hand uh, who's shuffling right across the stumps hit on the front pad maybe missing leg umpire wharf says not out pitching on off hitting in line with leg and going over and wide and once more we often focus on the umpires but the two sides have been pretty poor as far as reviews in the series as well Nazim Shah beginning another over and Henry's onto the back foot and pulling that ball towards the mid wicket region it's a short delivery, and Henry's got underneath it and pulled it over the boundary for six. Here's the next one. Henry goes across the line. He's pulled it to mid-wicket for four. Onto the back foot and crunching a cut forward of point into a gap. Rollicking boundary from Henry. He's to 49. Wasn't that short, but he pounced on it. 416 for nine, New Zealand. He back cuts through points to bring up a half century. Well played, Matt Henry. His third in Test Match cricket. He's 50 off just 42 balls. He's played a gem for New Zealand, and his teammates know it. They're all on their feet. Alinda knocks off the bales. Very well done. Ajaz Patel and Matt Henry, they came together after Pakistan had started the day brilliantly. New Zealand with 309 for six at the start of the day, and when Tim Southey left the field, New Zealand with 345 for the loss of nine, eyeing a below-par score, we felt... But a partnership of real significance and note 
means New Zealand have added 124 runs in the session. Here is uh, Henry getting the first ball after the lunch break. Patel down the pitch and hitting the ball down, straight past the bowler Abra over his head and four more runs for Patel. He carries on as he did before lunch. Lovely shot. Patel is 35. New Zealand 438 for nine. Here's a Salmon Bowls, and it's driven down the ground by Henry, and there's a chase for the fielder, Imam, who can't stop it. He got the ball, and then it bounced away from him despairingly on the boundary at mid-on, and Pakistan look really dejected, and uh, it's looking too easy for New Zealand at the moment. Henry is 63 with another boundary. Here's a full toss, and he comes down the pitch and hits that, and Imam won't have any chance of cutting that off. It's yet another boundary to Matt Henry, and the score now, New Zealand 448 for nine. Here's Patel swinging and he's got the top edge. And we're just going to see if the ball's taken. Oh, it is. And that's frustrating for New Zealand. And Richard Petrie, you'll be frustrated as Salman Agar at first slip runs back. And the New Zealand, it takes a comfortable catch. And uh, the New Zealand innings comes to an end. But let's not uh, underestimate just what a magnificent partnership this has been from Matt Henry and Ajaz Patel. Henry ends up 68, not out. Ajaz Patel is uh, 35. Saudi from over the wicket, catching the outside edge. I'll give Shafiq credit here, Richard. He's played with very soft hands and an angled bat, and it's rolled between the second slip and gully and down to the fence for four. So four runs straight away for Pakistan, just what they would have wanted, what Shafiq would have wanted. On six, takes a little stride over towards off stump and then plays a glorious shot off the back foot through the cover region, into the gap and out to the fence for four runs. Well played, Abdullah Shafiq. He moves to 10 and it's 11 without loss. And this is just on the leg side. He's missed his line there and his length. It's too full and it's turned. It's Henry who has the chase from a long leg to deep backward square leg. Can't cut it off. Four runs to the uh, Pakistan batsman Shafiq. He's 15. Two full, Shafiq. Holds his pose as he drives the ball down to the mid-on boundary for four. Lovely shot. He's 19 in Pakistan after five overs. 20 without loss. Run onto the back foot as Imam. He too will pick up a boundary. The fourth in four balls. Short outside the off stump from Henry. And Imam dispatches it with great ease in front of point for four. Onto the back foot as Shafiq. He's got a top edge and he's going to be caught. By Patel on deep backward square leg. Henry's induced him into a pull shot. He got the top edge, poorly executed by Shafiq, and his poor run continues. New Zealand pick up the vital wicket, 27 for 1. Here is Ajaz Patel, his second over. He starts with a gentle full toss, and Imam Ulha comes down the wicket and swaps it wide of mid-on. Nichols diving in vain on the onside, and that races out to the fence for 4. He gets to the pitch and plays a, another blindingly good shot, driving the ball past the bowler into the left of mid-off, going it. On about four, four and a half, probably more than that, runs it over. 52 for the loss of one. He's with the outside off stop, and it's cut to point. And Conway has the catch. A buffet ball, you could say. But New Zealand helped themselves to the wicket. Sean Masood cannot believe it. A little bit too short from Bracewell on the offside. Baba heads back onto the back foot and drives off the back foot for four through the covers. Pakistan, 62 for two. After 15 overs, that will be T. Baba is on four. Imam Al Haq 17. Zajaz Patel bowling the first over. After oh. Teen, he bowls short and Imam goes back and tries to clout it through to mid on. Here's Baba dancing down the wicket and picking him up and hitting him over long on with a quite stupendous stroke. 
Bubba on strike. The right hander goes oh, back. Cuts up a sleeve. Thick outside edge. It will go down towards the third man rope and will go to the boundary for four more. 74 for the loss of two. He's 14, but certainly not in control of that stroke. Driven. Beautiful shot by Imam. Overpitched by Sal. The end of the pads. Mitchell has the chase, but uh, not much he can do about that one. He'll just fetch it. Lovely boundary. He's 27, Imam. 84 for two. A lovely straight drive. Here's a good shot from Bubba. Onto the back foot, cutting a ball where, where Saudi misses his length and width. Too short and too wide outside the off stump. And he's clipping the ball down to third man for four. Here's a shot from Imam, which will pick him up for four runs. Saudi really has lost things a little bit here. Overpitched, and Imam helps himself uh, to a half volley outside off stump. It's gone through the covers for four. But now it's come back, and oh, there's a run out. Unbelievable. Imam and Baba have somehow ended up at the wrong end. Quite in, at the same end. Quite incredible. Baba went for three, Imam went for two, and they ended up at the same end. Oh, short wide, spinning further away. Imam goes back and bounces him off the back foot through the cover region. He won't need to come back for a third because it's gone all the way to the fence with the back foot. And working beautifully to the onside, wide of mid-on. That is a very fine stroke from Orhak. He's 46. Great response from Bracewell, spinning appreciably outside of off stump. They go up for a court behind. I did not hear a noise. They're going to have a crack. And they they'll are. review. And the body language there of Tim Southey, the way he put the hand on top <laughs> of the other hand. I don't think he thinks this is out. He's missed keep it rolling. by what, keep rolling. half a ball. Keep rolling. Good rhythm <gasps> now. He's a good shot for LBW past the inside edge. Umpire yeah. Dar is unmoved. I'm more excited by this than the previous one. <laughs> Tim Southey doesn't oh, look he's like he's going one. to review. Three, did two, it? one. Time expires. Comes down the wicket. Dancing feet. Hitting high over long on. Into the stands for six. Well played, Imam Ulhaq. Another half century. His seventh in Test Match cricket. He's gone on to get 300s as well. Imam Ulhaq back. He works nicely. Forward of square on the onside. And that races away. And that's the second time in the last half an hour or so where he's played a gorgeous shot mm. off the back foot against Bracewell, finding a gap. This one much squarer through square leg. Races out to the fence for four more. Back, pulling powerfully through mid-wicket. One bounce, four. Well played. Zimam backing away outside of leg stump to give himself some room as Henry banged it in short again. And he's hit the ball from around the top of leg stump through extra cover. That's one way to deal with the this leg theory or version of that New Zealand are trying late in the day. Well played, Imam. In fact, it's more over the top of off stump, but still four runs to the left-hander. Southy past umpire. Dar bowls this one short, but that's comfortably pulled to the deep backward square boundary for four. A first boundary to Shaquille. He's up to 13. 154 for the loss of three. Southie, last ball of the day, bowls short outside of off stump. That will go through to Blundell, and the bales will be removed by umpires Wharf and Dar, bringing about the end of the day, where Pakistan will finish 154 for the loss of three, trailing New Zealand by 295 runs. Here on SENZ, it's Mitch and Ricardo for breakfast, thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Mitch, we had a few uh, more texts come through on the uh, question of the day about who's stealing a living. Well, Zade's, Zade's popped up. Yeah. He's, uh, he said definitely Matt Lodge is still stealing a living. Yeah, uh, he's probably true. number one on that list. Yeah, he is actually. After after the altercation he had in the States, uh, 
Yeah, he shouldn't be making a living at all. Well, and from what I understand, the Warriors are still paying half his contract. No. Yeah, for this season they were anyway. I don't oh, know about junk. next season. That's junk. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. terrible. That's terrible. And uh, we also had uh, Jared getting in touch with uh, some thoughts on the cricket. Yeah, he said, um, Jared said he's often felt that Southie should be nine or ten uh, in the batting order, and why not? Just not enough application for Jared. Uh, yeah, that's fair, Jared. I, I think um, I think we touched on the point recently that um, during Baz and Hess's tenure mm. together, they wanted their lower order to go out and hit the ball yeah. rather than just try and stick around. They wanted them to score runs and score runs quickly. They thought if, if you, instead of taking time out of the game, they thought you get 50 to 100 runs quickly, um, there's more chance of them winning a game of cricket. Um, that was the style that obviously took us to the World Test Championships. So I guess that's that's probably an easy way to, to explain that. Um, yep, in terms of technical ability, uh, against the quicker bowlers, he, he doesn't have that ability to defend. So he has to go with that approach, I, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I've always thought about Tim Southey that we've seen him go well with the bat, so he's better than what we see week in, week out, I think. <laughs> is, is that is that fair or not, do you think? I, I think so. I really do think so. He strikes the ball so well. Yeah. Um, I just remember sitting in the change rooms and, and Southey and Bolt psyching each other out. Yeah, when guys are bowling really quick, and <laughs> <laughs> talking about how far away they'd be at square leg. <laughs> so, I guess that's probably it as well. Yeah. It is, it's pretty daunting, mate. Being at that level and facing some of the quicks oh. that they've faced, him in particular, he was in that era where he still had some of the real, real rapid dudes flying around. Uh, it does give you a bit of a shake up, that's I, for sure. I, I remember actually Baz uh, well and truly putting me in my place when um, I was filling in for Louis. Um, when Baz and Izzy were doing breakfast together still. And we were talking about Jeet and Patel. Mm. And I remembered, you know, when uh, we got rolled in South Africa for not very many. And, yeah, uh, got basically dropped for standing on square legs feet. Yeah, yeah. Basically, he was facing – I made that joke about, uh, you know, Jeet and Patel for, um, taking guard at square leg against Dale Stane. Yeah. And Baz was like, well, how would you play Dale Stane? <laughs> and I went, mate, by mashing the X and O button, because that's as close as I'm going to get, and it'd be it'd be PlayStation cricket. Oh, mate, it's uh, yeah, it's so uh, it's actually so it's actually can be super scary. I know after I got hit in the head, you talked about coming back from that mentally. Uh, that was that was tough. Even getting in the nets the first time, even with a helmet and stuff. Yeah, it's pretty uh, pretty scary. Even just against guys with the slingers now. Um, yeah, it's not a not a nice place to be. No, not a nice place to be at all. Uh, Brad's just texted through too. Stealing a living. Uh, if David Warner is part of the commentary team next season, for sure. Yeah, I don't know how much he'll offer. He, do, he doesn't seem to. He doesn't appear to be the sharpest tool in the box, shall we say? Mate, they will be paying him cash, mate. And, oh, and I know. They have said that Fox has come out and said that they haven't been able to find like basically really hard boots to fill. Obviously, with Warner, one of the greatest commentators um, in recent history, and then um, Andrew Simons, who did a lot for Fox as well. Um, so they're obviously looking for some new talent. Um, and they've come out and said that they think he'll be great. No. They think he'll be really good personality. What I would say about David Warner is that he's – I don't believe he's going to shy away from speaking his opinion, Yeah. Uh, which which can be quite good. Like Mark Wall's a bit like that as yeah. well, right? You know what you're going to get, or sometimes you don't know what you're going to get, which makes them great to give their perspective on it. They've said that they don't know when David Warner is going to retire, yeah. but they said as soon as he does retire, there's a spot on the commentary team for him. So – 
Uh, yep, uh, the comments on the Instagram post for that are hilarious. Uh, a few saying that they're going to turn off Fox <laughs> and have SEN, SEN commentary on. Uh, well, so, uh, which, yeah, it's not it's not a bad option. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of that. And then then few people sticking up for David Warner saying, don't know why Australians th- think he's such a wounder. Well, because he is. there's plenty of plenty of proof out there that he is such a wounder. But anyway, uh, 27 away from 11. We'll get to the latest in news and sport with Johnny Mack. Uh, thanks to Kubota Together, we are shaping and building New Zealand. It's 24 away from 11 here on SENZ Breakfast with Mitch and Ricardo. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And uh, joining us now for a Love Racing update, thanks to loveracing.nz, is uh, Louis Herman Watt, who was on here yesterday afternoon, backing in winners left, right and centre. Well, please tell me that was true, Louis. It actually was. If you scroll back through the text machine, there's some uh, good texts. I tipped a $6.60 winner in the last Matter Matter. We actually had heaps. We actually had heaps of fun because we were uh, we had the Greymouth Cup and we had the Thames Cup and we were just kind of punting as the races came along. I say we, I mean I was punting and I assume people out there were punting um, and taking the races and, and somebody said, well, what are we backing in the last? I was like, it was a race I hated. But we did the form, we had a look through and um, we found, yeah, Winona Tiger and it won by, I reckon, somewhere between 8 and 10 lengths, page wow. 660. And it just bolted, and it was the best watch all day. So it was a, re- a really good way to end the show. Sheesh, Louie, you sound a bit dusty, mate. <laughs> I'll, I'll be brutally honest. Um, I've, got a, I've got a bit of a throat thing going on, and it's kind of, if the weather wasn't so terrible, I'd be a bit gutted about it. Because I meant to go camping, but I don't know if I'm going camping anyway, because it's it, um, it looks like there's a, a lot of water coming mm. towards the north part of the North Island. I'm a bit worried about the tennis, if I'm being honest. I don't know if they're going to finish this tournament. Well, I was going to ask you, whereabouts are you supposed to be going camping? Uh, actually, funnily enough, to tie it back into Love Racing, mm. just a, a campsite just south of Ruakaka called Uratiti. Um, and, yeah, we usually go up there this time of year because they have the summer race meet at Ruakaka on Friday, and it's a, a really good time. Uh, heaps, heaps of fun. But I think the big wet's coming, which will make the, the racing really interesting because this time of year we've finally got the good track horses out. The last thing you really want to have to deal with is, say, a heavy track, or it won't ever be heavy at Royal Carker unless it truly, absolutely hoses. But, again, the form's kind of hard to line up. So, anyway, that's what I was doing. So, um, yeah, to go back, a little, bit of a, a little bit of a tickle in the throat. So, I don't know what we're going to do. Might have to go watch a movie. Maybe you go pay... 50 bucks to watch Avatar like the rest of the world. Yeah, yeah, well you could you could do that. You could do that. I could I could tell you I I went and saw it took my daughter to go and see it and uh yeah, let's just say that the the script, the dialogue, the story uh, is pretty pretty thin. They could have probably told that story in about 30 minutes, but it takes uh <laughs> 3 hours because of all the special effects. And and how much money? What I can't work out with it is like James Cameron's banged on about how much money it costs Rady Ra and how much funding they need. Yeah. Like I don't understand what, what, why, why it's cartoons, mate. Like, how about this? <laughs> like, like, do you hear, do you hear the James Bond producers banging on about how many buildings they had to blow up and how much money it costs? Like, mate, you, you don't have to do any of that stuff. It's just, it's just animation. I don't know. Yeah. I, actually, he, he kind of needs a bit of a spell, I reckon, James Cameron. He, he can be a bit tedious. Well, mate, you, you say he needs a spell, but I mean, it's been about 10 years between movies, hasn't it? I mean, how much of a spell does he need? 
Yeah, you're right. Actually, we need a spell from James Cameron. <laughs> After one movie. Uh, the bad news is he filmed the third one at the same time and it's due out next Christmas, so you can get it all over again, Louis. Uh, we should, uh, this is a Love Racing, Not a Love Movies update. Uh, what have you got for us today? Look, there's a pretty simple way to go about today at Otaki. Uh, if you want to build your bank for a Ruakaka. Um, yeah, I think there's a way we can play this. And we can we can have a little collect, and it's it's all around the hot job promotion. I sound like I've been doing the TAB's work over the last couple of days. Well, no, nobody from the TAB's doing any work, mate. I tell you that much. We haven't been able to get anyone on the phone, so you are effectively. Ah, <laughs> oh, right. There you go. I'll, I'll send in my timesheet to them. Um, <laughs> but this hot jock promo is brilliant. So each day with a thoroughbred meet, they give you one jockey, and if you back him and or her and they run second, third, or fourth. You get your money back in a bonus back up to 50 bucks, I think it is. And today's hot jock is Michael McNabb at Otaki. By the way, McNabb, Nabber is just riding in such good form. He's committed. He's um, re- riding really consistently. He's finding the gaps. He's strong. He's, his weight's under control. And he's going super at the moment. So I've done the homework for you. And if you back McNabb and race one on ribbons, race six on Flamenco, and race seven on More Mary, uh, I think you will have a winning day. And if you don't have a winning day, you'll end up with bonus bets. Okay. So it's kind of a good way to play the day. It's a really good promotion. Sometimes you look at the rides the jockeys have and you go, Ooh. today, I think it win the jockeys challenge, to be honest, as well. I think he's got three. Actually, he's got a couple of other chances that are right in the market as well. These are just the three of his rides that I thought were really nice chances. So there you go. Ribbons in race one, Flamenco race six, and More Mary race seven. Boom. Get amongst it. Good stuff, Louis. Thanks very much, mate. We'll let you go and uh, make sure the tents have been waterproofed. And uh, uh, good luck. Maybe take your floaties. Yeah, I'm going to go see what... What does a movie cost these days, Rick? What's the, what's the uh, going price? Uh, probably about 20 bucks an adult, something like that. Right, I need to go and back ribbons in the first. And <laughs> guess, uh, <laughs> Good luck, mate. Right, go well, go well. Louis, you've been what with the Love Racing up late, uh, update, I should say, uh, loveracing.nz for all your latest thoroughbred racing news. We are 18 away from 11. It's 13 away from 11 here on SCNZ. It is breakfast with Mitch and Ricardo. Thanks, of course, to our friends at the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Mitch, uh, you want to talk a bit of NFL after what we have mentioned earlier today, but uh, what went on between the Bills and the Bengals yesterday? Yeah, it happened during Louis show yesterday that where the um, Bills and the Bengals were playing and DeMar Hamlin went down after what just looked like a normal tackle from the safety from the Bills and collapsed a couple of seconds after. Um, it looked like an impact injury on, on the heart and I was trying to find some a good explanation of what exactly happens and the best one I found was from a Dr. Anish Garg. He makes the tackle and then he's able to get up with, the, with his own power and then it's only after a second here that he collapses. So what happened? Well, that's direct trauma, also known as comedocortis, resulting in a cardiac contusion that puts you in cardiac shock, sending you into ventricular fibrillation, otherwise known as V-fib. And this is an electrical pulse that doesn't allow the heart to fully contract. And this is what ends up happening where the blood and the nutrients and oxygen can't get to where it needs to go. In order for commotio cordis to happen, you have to suffer this blunt chest trauma at exactly the right moment, 
which is really within milliseconds of a time window. This is a rhythm strip that shows one cycle of the heart squeezing, and you have about 72 of these a minute on average. So you have the P waves where the atriums contract, you have this QRS complex that is where your ventricles contract, and then subsequently you have this T wave, which is, we call it ventricular repolarization, that's when the ventricles are resetting. The player would have to have chest trauma at this specific moment to be sent into arrhythmia. Yeah, pretty crazy when you think about it. It's that, that un, unlikely timing of it happening. 72 uh, times it happens a minute. Um, it's got to hit at the perfect time for it to happen. Ryan Clark, who also ended up in hospital, who was broadcasting on, on the, the match last night, had this to say. Tonight, you know, we got to see a side of football that is extremely ugly, a side of football that no one ever that side of football that no one ever wants to see mm-hmm. or never wants to admit exists. When you see both teams on the field crying in that way, your first thought is DeMar Hamlin. Yep. The second thought is his family. And this isn't about a football player, right? This is about a human. This is about a brother. This is about a son. This is about a friend. This is about someone who is loved by so many that you have to watch go through this. I, um, I dealt with this before, and I watched my teammates for days come to my hospital bed and just cry. I had them call me and tell me that they didn't think I was going to make it, and now this team has to deal with that, and they have no answers. Mm -hmm. And so the next time I think that we get upset at our favorite fantasy player (laughs) or we're we're upset that the, the guy on our team doesn't make the play and we're saying he's worthless and we're saying you get to make all this money, we should remember that these men are putting their lives on the line to live their dream And tonight, DeMar Hamlin's dream became a nightmare for not only himself, but his family and his entire team. Yeah, the the crazy part about that conversation from Ryan Clark is that he actually had an incident on the field as well. He, from a hereditary thing, or sorry, a disease which he didn't, or he didn't know about, he had sickle cell trait um, and then ended up collapsing on the field. So he went through a similar scenario, not the impact blow that uh, Hamlin went through. But what I found interesting in that was that uh, he was talking about People, the, when they go out and they talk about in the locker room, we're ready to die. And we've seen Israel Adesanya has been like that. But mm. when, you, when you're close, and it actually happens, geez, it's, it's pretty frightening. And, and the scenes yesterday were, were pretty bloody scary, to be honest, mate. Yeah, I mean, they were scary. It, it did remind me a little bit of uh, Christian Eriksen uh, when he was playing at the Euros for Denmark. Mm. Um, he collapsed. He, he had a massive cardiac event, uh, was clinically dead. Had to, they had to restart his heart twice. Um, and now he's had a defib fitted. Yeah. And he signed a contract. He's playing Premier League football with Manchester United. It was just at the World Cup. So you can come back. But, uh, I mean, it was a, a, a very yeah. much a Lazarus story. Yeah, well, I mean, hopefully this gets to that point, right, mm. with DeMar Hamlin. Um, he was had to be resuscitated 10 minutes of CPR and the AED on, on the pitch. Um, sounds like he's still in a critical condition, um, but they have been able to restore his heartbeat. He's uh, put him to sleep yeah. um, and put a tube in for him to be able to breathe. But uh, one positive story out of this, if there can be a positive story to be drawn um, is that DeMar, um, DeMar was doing a, a run like a toy f- a fundraiser type thing, a GoFundMe yeah. online for, for a local daycare centre where he was just trying to do a community toy drive and his goal was to get $2,500 for this daycare. Uh, there has, uh, to date, there's been over $3.8 million US um, been, has been donated to that fund. So um, hopefully they can build something, a nice little foundation or charity from that, uh, from that amount of money. 
and hopefully he's there to front it when he gets out of hospital. Was that off the back of the incident yesterday? Yeah, it was, mate. Was it already kind of going that way? No, that was off the back of the incident yesterday. There was basically not much had been donated to it, and then it's just gone absolutely whoosh. Um, Over 146,000 donors. Right, I've just refreshed. There you go. $4.8 million has been donated to another $1 million, over $1 million in the the course of this show. So it just shows uh, people getting behind him, and there's been a lot of of prayers and a lot of thoughts. Um, Small story, quickly. Um, And uh, I actually hit Matthew Sinclair in the chest, in the heart, um, uh, playing at uh, McLean Park, and, and... Bruce Martin started cracking up at him and Skippy ran at him with his bat actually saying, mate, don't you know I can die? Don't you know I could have died then? Yeah, And at no point had I thought that you could, like a blunt to the heart, could actually kill you. Yeah. You know, you always think, yeah, but Skippy was onto it, mate. So, um, yeah, pretty scary. So uh, we'll be watching this, um, keeping everyone updated, of course, over the next couple of days as well. Yeah, indeed. Uh, This is Mitch and Ricardo for breakfast on SENZ. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. We are seven away from 11.